All right, are we good to one, two, three, clap, you guys? I need to put my mug down. And yes, okay. now my hands are free. All right, are you ready, Dave? Three, two, oh, sorry, you, you, you. Oh, you're doing it. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, yes, I am ready. Okay, take my job. I've been demoted. Forgive me, it is your job. <laughs> That's funny. All right, here we, here we go. One, two, three. Wonderful. <laughs> I'm sure you would have done just as good of a job, though. Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 28-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is, what's your favorite breakfast? So, I have a favorite breakfast. Um, who doesn't love a crepe? You know, who does not love a crepe? And uh, there is a Canadian breakfast chain called Cora's here in Canada. Um, and oh, oh, is that? Did I yeah, go there? I think so. I think I went there. You're from Canada? Yeah. <laughs> I probably. Whoa, 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 whoa. Robin, Robin's Canadian? No one knew this. Canada's not a real place. No one place. had any idea. <laughs> um, wait, you guys are both from Rhode Island? That's weird. Okay. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. Call us out. That is like weird. Like an island? No. Listen, you're right, but why'd you have to say it? <laughs> so I go to Cora's for breakfast on my birthday almost every year. And what I get from there is called, they have this thing called a crepe omelet, which is like a crepe that they made. And then they make an omelet and they fold it inside the crepe. And then it comes with hollandaise sauce. It is delicious. Oh and it is my favorite breakfast. Oh. So I always get the spinach and cheddar one and mwah, delicious. So that will be my favorite breakfast. The way my mouth is watering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna need that right now. Okay. My name is Casey Wall. I'm a 26-year-old writer from Rhode Island. I like sapphic ships and collecting plants. You can follow me on Twitter at CaseyWatchesTV or at LF Candle Co. where I make pop culture inspired candles. And my favorite breakfast food is a traditional eggs benedict, mm -hmm. which fun fact within my fun fact uh, when I was younger, my family successfully convinced me that, like, the dish Eggs Benedict is named after the current Pope of the time. <laughs> so wow. when Mr. Francis came along, they told me, yes, it is now called Eggs Francis. It was Eggs Francis. <laughs> oh, no. If you, if you want it at a restaurant, you're going to order the Eggs Francis. Oh, no. Uh, so I did for a while. Oh. And, and none of the, like, waiters ever, like, stopped you? They were like, ma'am. And I was like, mm, you have to update your menu. This says Eggs Benedict. <laughs> it's Eggs Francis now, actually. Oh, my God. And I think, like, everyone just was just like, haha, funny joke, child. But I was like, what? Why don't they get it? Why? <laughs> Oh my god. Upda update your menus. This is outdated information. I hope I hope that Dave's favorite breakfast also includes hollandaise sauce, but we'll find out. We'll we'll find out. Yeah. Wait, who's Dave? Hollandaise sauce? Amazing. Oh yeah, who's Dave? Hi, I'm Dave. I'm an order credentialed <laughs> litigator from a small New England town. I like my wife, my June Gemini daughter, and the concept of baking. You can still find me on Twitter at 1701 Trekkie, where I can be caught tweeting about Star Trek and things that annoy me. I cannot confirm that I am not Hugo Reyes's imaginary friend. Amazing. And so, sorry, so the, just the concept of baking, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, loving the concept of baking. <laughs> that is so relatable. I, I want to bake more. I definitely okay. got my wife a LeMay for Christmas or her birthday. That is so fancy. Uh-huh. But at the same time, have we made bread at all since then? No, we have not. So Right, that's fair. So uh, my favorite breakfast is corned beef hash. I'll have it however <gasps> I can get it. 
Mm. My mother just loved it while she was pregnant with me, so I'll take it any way that I want. And there is one place uh, where I've seen it served as something called Eggs Patriot, where it is in a Benedict in place of the Canadian bacon. So, Oh, my God. So I have had uh, Eggs Benedict, but with corned beef hash. I need that. I need that. And does that that does that include hollandaise sauce? Oh, of course it does. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. all agree that hollandaise sauce is amazing. Incredible. What kind of good-hearted person doesn't love hollandaise sauce? I love a hollandaise. I am waiting slash begging anybody who's going to be getting a little female golden retriever to freaking name your dog hollandaise. Ooh. Oh my god. And then you get to call her Holly. It's the best name of all time. And I just think anybody a uh, golden retriever. Ha- and doesn't have them named that has has made a horrible mistake. That's you know? the cutest thing I've ever heard. Right. Mm-hmm. Now I need That's a dog named Hollandaise. Yeah, Jasper, right? how do you feel right. about being renamed Hollandaise? <laughs> Jasper, do you want to be named Hollandaise? He's not opposed. And by that I mean <laughs> okay. he is not moving. I mean, he's breathing. Okay. Okay, he's yeah, breathing. Okay, good. Yeah. So, Dave, we had you on, like, quite recently, but would you remind everybody um, your, your relationship to the show and some of your favorite characters? So, I watched... I could have watched Lost Live. I didn't. I watched it pretty much all in one shot over the course of, like, two, two and a half weeks uh, while I was going Oof. through my divorce from my ex-wife. So, Ooh. we have an interesting relationship. I was an early adopter for Hulu, and I still have that same Hulu account, which is where I just rewatched this episode twice. And you can see that all of the series is marked as viewed, except the first half of season six, which I had to get somewhere else because it wasn't on Hulu at the time. (laughs) There you go. In terms of characters, I I love Mr. Echo. I Mm -hmm. feel a deep soul kinship with, of all people, Oh my god. Dave, I think we lost your mi- I, I, Wait, did we lose your microphone? No, I forgot the name of my favorite character. What's her name? The oh. blonde who's dead. <laughs> Shannon. The blonde who's dead, Libby? Shannon. Oh, Shannon. I, I feel in... <laughs> I thought that we lost you. No, I was keeping you quiet so you could cut it out easier. Oh, thanks. That's the funniest thing to ever happen. I do my best. I feel a deep, deep kinship with Shannon for some reason. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I cannot tell you why, but until I saw someone, and it may have been one of you, that did uh, the Lost Big Three and saw Shannon as Sagittarius' son, and I'm like, oh. I think that was me. Actually, did it? <laughs> was that me? I don't know. It wasn't me. Oh, no, I... Because I don't think I did People's Big Three. Well, maybe I did. What did I do? Regardless. Anyway. Oh, no, I didn't do People's Big Three. Ah, But But what did I give Shan? Oh, no, I made her a Taurus son. Oh, I can see that, Mm. too. But at the same time, you're wrong. I know. Fair. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah, and in terms of other relationships, definitely between the last time I last time we recorded and now, I was going to the Providence Children's Museum with my daughter on her birthday, yes. and the best museum. And while I'm there in line, I text the two of you saying the guy in front of me in this line is definitely a hundred percent Josh Holloway. Oh my god, I forgot Crazy. this happened. Yeah, and I can't believe. I still can't believe. And so as you're checking in, you need to give, like, your first name unless you had pre-registered so that they can call your party if they need to. And he's not wearing a mask until he starts checking in in line. They ask him for his name. He says Josh. And I'm like, well. 
Stop. Oh my god. So, I cannot believe that happened to you. Was he so handsome? He has not aged. I love that. No one on this show has. Yeah, he ha- he has not aged and uh, was just there. I was certain it was him. I just kept Googling and also his wife was there with him, mm-hmm. which was the other way that I was certain that it was him. Wow. I, I really can't believe this happened to you. I was so close to getting my car and driving straight to the Providence Children's Museum. <laughs> but as a typical Rhode Islander, I was like, oh, 20 minutes. That's so far away to drive. It would have. I would have done it. I 100% would have done it. I should have. I should have. I would have been there. I have regrets. I, I certainly have regrets. Yeah. But I did not bother him. I didn't take pictures, anything like that. Because it was my daughter's birthday. You are a better person than I am. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's so fair. And Katie was like, hi, this day is about me. I don't care who this random man is. So my daughter's <laughs> name is also Kate. Yeah. And we ran into our neighbor's grandkids, the oldest of which is Evie. Huh. Listen, that day was sent for me, sent to you like from, from the gods. Like, yeah. we're gonna give you this wild day. Yeah, and the odds, very small. Extreme. For sure. But it... He, he doesn't even live there, does he? No. Oh, super not. What was he doing there? Super not. No, there was... De- there, I cannot tell you what he was doing there. Like, I heard someone say they were there for some hockey game or something, for some mm. kid's hockey game. Like, maybe they were doing that at Providence Civic Center. Uh, the dunk. No, um, the America. <laughs> the Amica Mutual Pavilion. Yeah, our, um... Fancy. Pr- prime event center just got renamed but it uh has it though not no officially yes colloquially never got it same thing has happened here it's so rude nothing will beat an arena in new england being named after dunkin donuts it's true Mm. it's an icon yeah our like main stage downtown was called city center stage and then like some rich family bought it and now it's called like their last name center and it's like really long and i'm just like yeah i'm gonna keep calling it city center stage because that's what it freaking is that is such a better name city center stage (laughs) yeah and then we'd be like okay go meet at ccs it was great oh i love that because i was in film school and it was owned by my college so Oh, that's nice. But hey, guys, let's get started, shall we? Oh, what are we here to talk about? You tell me, Casey. Alrighty. Today, we have words to say about episode 404 of Lost, Eggtown. Alright, so this title is a a bit of an enigma to me, to be honest. Uh, My guess has always been that Kate is, like, living in this little town of the barracks, and it has eggs in there, which is, like, a luxury, you know? So it's, like, it's an egg town. Who knows? Eggs are a luxury. Um, But I honestly kind of love it. Because it's kind of like a badass little artsy name. Which reminds me of Josh Holloway thing. I kind of like it. Of all things. Uh-huh. Like, Josh Holloway was in Colony. Either of you ever see it? Yes. No. I watched the first episode and I got so much anxiety from like wondering if Josh Holloway was going to be okay that I couldn't watch anymore. <laughs> That's the most Robin thing ever. I literally was like, yay, a new a new show with Josh in it. And I watched the first episode and I was like, I cannot handle Josh being in trouble. <laughs> Do you remember the first thing that happens to him? Like the first thing that you see that makes you think something's kind of weird? No, tell me. I can't remember. He, it was forever ago. He drops and breaks an egg and is super broken up about it. Oh. Whoa. Interesting. An egg town. You know, in this economy, I would also be really sad if I dropped and broken egg. <laughs> I guess they're really expensive right now. But a lot of fans also were like really confused about this. So Carlton had a whole explanation. He said, really, we could spend a lot of time talking about the titles that don't make sense. But the title Egg Town referred to the fact that Locke fixed a couple of eggs for Ben at the beginning of the episode. And then there's also the episode had a lot to do with Kate's pregnancy. Pregnancy involve, involves eggs. And so that was the other kind of sort of metaphoric significance of the title Egg Town. That's so funny. 
It's oh so my. ridiculous. You throw out your back reaching for that one cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, in the French version, uh, the title is, if you translate it, is Enemy Mothers. That's and then Ooh. in uh, Latin America, if you translate it, the episode is called The Trial. That so makes sense. Enemy Mothers is completely different names all over the place. There's not even anything that you could metaphorically call a trial on the island, is there? No, um, if you think about it, just... Other than, like... Uh, 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 isn't the I whole guess, like, thing a trial? Yeah, I guess... Isn't like, everything a trial? I would say that there's, like, more interrogations than there are trials, you know? There's, like, several interrogations, I feel like, but not really anything that you could call a trial. Sure. Um, but the broadcast date was February 21st, 2008. It was written by Elizabeth Sarnoff and Gregory Nations. Greg Nations being one of the big, like, continuity script supervisor guys, so, like, shout out to him for getting the ups on this, uh, writer's credit. He only helped write three episodes of the whole show, and this was the first one. And when you look at that list, dude did some bangers, so shout out to, uh, to Greg Nations, as always, who is a huge hero of this show. Good work. Yeah, and the episode is directed by Stephen Williams. Was Greg the guy who kept track of who had which guns? Yeah, that's him. Hero. Hero. A couple of fun facts about the episode before we get started here. Did you guys know that this episode was originally going to be Casey's episode? Oh my god. (gasps) But Dave took it because he was one of the first people to learn that Casey was becoming a permanent host. Yes. Because Casey told him, and then you were like, that's my episode. Whatever episodes you have is are mine. Yeah, I caught, we had lunch. We had lunch on the day you were recording your first episode. Oh my god, yeah, I told you before I was even supposed to tell you. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had we had lunch. It was you, me, and my daughter, and... And I didn't make you sign an NDA, so it's okay. Oh, thank god. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was veteran, it was Veterans Day 2020. Oh, you wow. have an incredible memory. <laughs> I remember the day. I don't remember the actual day. Date. It was a holiday. But, um... Because we were both off. Oh, you know, that's so true. Because we're working mm. people, and it sucks. But it ended up working out so perfectly because it's so helpful to have a lawyer for this episode, especially for the flashes. And like, weirdly enough, Casey also works with lawyers too. It's true. So like, either way, we were gonna have a lawyer, <laughs> like a lawyer esque person. Dave is a lawyer. I work for the lawyers. Yeah. I tried to hire her. She does not want to leave the lawyer she hates. I don't want to be in law. <laughs> I don't know how I ended up here. You know what other date that I remember is July 20th, 1969. Explain. It's the date of the moon landing. It's also the date Josh Holloway was born, apparently. Oh my god. Wow. (laughs) That's incredible. Because I could not for the life of me remember Josh's name, so I had to Google him, so he's just sitting here on my computer. You couldn't remember Shannon or Josh. It has been a day. That's fair. It also said on Lostpedia that this is the first episode of season four, which is rated TV 14, um, likely due to not only Locke's punishment with Miles, but also the issues between Sawyer and Kate involving pregnancy and their intimacy. So this um, episode was slightly rated a little bit higher. And this is actually the first episode since one of us last season not to feature Naomi. Wow. Oh my. No Naomi this episode. So we are going to do two storylines for the island here. We have like the beach storyline, which actually I believe only has three or four scenes in it. And then um, the rest is going to be the barracks. Then we'll handle the flashes. And 
normal stuff. Sweet. Are you guys ready to start? We're going to start with the beach storyline, of course. I guess I need to do a summary, don't I? Oh, I suppose you could. I better go get that. I cannot tell you how much I just don't like the island storyline this season. That's so interesting because I love it. Without the, like, with the, the freighter people and everything? My problem is that it's just get on with it. It felt like they were just stretching to fill time. I think that's so weird. I feel completely opposite. Oh. I feel like it's like go, go, go. Because, I mean, it takes place over over only one week or like a week and a half. That's wild. I think this might have been on... This might have been the time on my first watch because, again, I was binging it where I was like, the story is finally moving and I was starting to get frustrated with the mystery box. I think that this is the slowest episode so far and maybe like the slowest one even going forward too. So I totally get why it would be like that, you know? Well, even rewatching the season to catch back up because... I've been watching along with the pod, Mm -hmm. but even watching to catch up and I got to the last episode and I just couldn't, it just felt so long and said, oh, I'll catch up with the next time I'm lost on the next one. This episode doesn't have a recap. Rude. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. It doesn't. (laughs) But I also feel like, and we sort of talked about it in our 402 episode that like, it's like nothing happens except for introductories of the freighter people, but I still love it because I love the freighter people. I know you do. Yeah. Yeah, I think. And rightly so. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I think. All right. I can't decide if I agree or disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do my summary for the beach storyline here. Just a, just a little one. In a short little storyline, Jin and Sun discuss where they'll live once they get off the island. Jack and Co. come back. Jack introduces Charlotte and Dan and tells everyone where Saeed, Desmond, and Kate are. Later, Jack keeps trying to call the boat, but no one's picking up. Sun is worried the freighter people really are trying to hurt them because why else would Kate have jumped ships, so to speak? That night, Charlotte is helping Dan with his memory exercises, but he's still struggling and frustrated. Jack and Juliet approach, asking why they can't get a hold of anyone on the boat. Charlotte calls the emergency line, and when she asks if they can talk to Saeed or Desmond, Regina has no idea who she's talking about. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's awkward. And that's it. That's this little that, beach storyline. That's line. the whole thing. So Jin and Sun deciding where to live on a map. And did you know, fun fact, that this is the first episode in which Jin has any dialogue this season. I can what? believe it. Didn't he have a super long stretch of just being absent last season? I think so, yeah. Wow. So he's just like, just vibing, not having, and he has like just this scene this episode too. But don't worry, Jin has some stuff to do later this season. Oh, he sure does. And he's speaking English, a ton of English. Yeah, he's doing it. I just think, I think that Dan is doing such a good job of like... Because we know that Dan just has a straight up American accent. And so I think that his like way of finding his way from Korean to like English is like so good and really like realistic. I really like it a lot. Yeah, yeah I would agree. It's be- it feels believable until he mm-hmm. pronounces Albuquerque right the first time he sees it. <laughs> yeah, right. That is so fair. Unrealistic. That is so fair. Like not... In no world does someone just learning English understand that Q-U-E in that word is K and not Q. Yeah, totally fair. Totally fair. Yeah, who did he talk to about Albuquerque before this? I have no idea. Maybe he saw... Right. Maybe he had a thing for uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons. High school musical. Oh, what? Bugs Bunny cartoons. Oh, I should have taken a left at Albuquerque. <laughs> I and and see and see that's where High School Musical is set. Um so I think that probably Jin has just seen High School Musical. Has High School Musical come out yet? No. Oh my god. But he just knows it through I don't know, 
<laughs> but yeah, and Breaking Bad. Sun says that it's too hot either way. And Breaking Bad's not out yet. All it's known is for guns and meth. And I was joking with one of my friends about this. Uh, she's linked in my bio on Twitter. She did my profile pic. And she said, yeah, people only know us for guns and meth. When in reality, we have guns, meth, and green chilies. And okay. High School Musical. And High School Musical. <laughs> Yeah, but it's also where Cassidy and Clementine are living, so Albuquerque is sort of a, a oh. thing already on this show. Oh, that's right. Uh, he also says New York, but Sun says that's too many people, and he's like, uh, we're kind of used to a lot of people because we live, literally live in Seoul. And Sun says she'd be fine to li- with continuing to live in Seoul, and <laughs> Jin's like, dude, we're like leaving soon, and I'm learning English so you can live in America. But she wants to raise the baby in Korea, but she says, my baby, and he's like, it's our baby. Takes two, babe. And I felt like that was kind of a weird moment, and I'm not really sure where it was meant to go. I don't know. You know, like, it felt like it was saying something, but I don't know what it was that it was saying. Like, she yeah, got over yeah, that. Yeah. Like, wasn't that the whole point of the first season? Yeah. And suddenly, I hey, you know. remember that really nice arc they had about getting back together? Yeah, no, a- Apparently, she's still thinking about herself independently from their marriage. Sure. It's just strange because, like, and she knows that it's Jin's baby. We learned that last season. So, yeah, I'm just not really sure. I'm just not really sure. Um, But either way, Jack and everyone else come back and he's like, hi, everyone. This is Charlotte and Dan. Um, The helicopter took Saeed and Desmond and they're going to get us off the island. And Dan's like, right, yeah, okay, uh, more lies. I love it. (laughs) For sure. Yep. Hi, everyone. Hi. Son comes over, asks where Kate is, and he's like, oh, uh, she's with Locke. And she's like, huh? And Jack's like, dude, I'm just upset as upset as you are. Don't worry. Like, neither of us are happy about this. So the next scene, uh, Charlotte and Dan are going through the pantry and Jack is trying to use the phone, but it's not working. And so Juliet's like, um, have you tried, uh, 911? <laughs> Which is funny. It's funny. Um, um, yeah, why not? I'm on a magical island somewhere. Help. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, well, you've pinged the wrong tower. Uh, I don't know how to help you from here. So Sun asks, hey, what's up? And they're like, oh, we're trying to get a hold of the boat. And she's like, okay, that's weird because they literally left yesterday and you haven't talked to them? Like, what if these people really are trying to hurt us? And Jack's like, oh, no, no, Locke is so stupid. Locke is so stupid and he's wrong. And she's like, okay, well, why did Kate choose to stay with him then? So clearly Kate, like, is really influential, which I think is really interesting. And Jack is like, dude, I don't know. I didn't get to talk to her before she chose to do that. So... I don't know. But I like that people are really, like, thinking about what Kate has done and, like, what her, like, reasoning for that must be. What like, Kate what Kate did, if you will. Yeah, what Kate did. Oh, that exactly. would make a really good episode title. Eh. Yeah, you're right. If not, like, maybe what Kate does. Oh, sure, sure, that too. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know, it feels like retreading over old ground. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last scene in the storyline, really small. Um, Dan and Charlotte are by the fire and they're like working with cards. And I want these Dharma playing cards real bad. Right? I want them. Give me the merch. Right. So Charlotte is working on Dan's memory with him and all he has to do is guess three playing cards and he gets two out of three right. And it's sad because like the last one, he was not even close. Like, it was, like, the wrong color, the wrong suit, obviously, because it's the wrong color, like, the wrong number. And so Dan is obviously frustrated because he can't even remember these three cards. So this is, like, we already sort of had, like, a little bit of subtext that Dan was maybe having some memory problems, and now it's being made textual. It's not not that he's trying to guess them. It's that we're supposed to have, he's supposed to have seen them before the scene started, and he's trying to remember them, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I thought you said he guessed. 
Oh, I did say that, but he's like, I mean, no, you're right. I used the wrong word. But yeah, so he's just trying to remember them. Because for a second I was like, wait, is there a thing about, is there a thing about Dan being a psychic or pregnant? Yeah, he's a psychic. No, the exact opposite. (laughs) Which is not something that this show hasn't done before. Which is so true. Um, But so yeah, he's like mad because he can't even remember these three cards. Jack comes over and he's like, hey, um, so it's been like more hours and your boat still won't answer my call. Like, why won't they answer? And Charlotte's like, I don't know. I'm here. (laughs) I'm not on the boat. I actually don't know the answer. I don't know. So Jack's like, you're telling me there's only one phone line on this whole boat. And she's like, okay, so there is one more, but it's only for emergencies. And Juliet, in like the most chillingly nonchalant way, just hands it to her and goes, it's an emergency. (laughs) I mean... She's so right for that. And so Jack's like, put it on speaker because, you know, I always bring this up, but I think in 402 is the episode where, like, Faraday's talking to Minkowski and then Minkowski's like, am I on speakerphone? Yeah. <laughs> and then he has to, like, go somewhere else. So Jack's like, no, I want to hear. So Regina answers and she's like, why are you even calling this number? And she's like, well, Minkowski wasn't answering. Regina doesn't bring up the fact that Minkowski is clearly unavailable. Sure. She's like, the people on the island want to talk to their friends. And she's like... Huh? She's like, the friends that went with Frank yesterday in the helicopter. She's like, I thought you had the helicopter. So everyone starts freaking out. Awkward. Yeah. Regina, it's Charlotte. Why are you calling me on this number? Minkowski wasn't answering. The people on the island want to talk to their friends, make sure they're all right. What? Friends? They left last night. Frank took them up in the helicopter. What do you mean they took off? I thought the helicopter was with you. It's it's very strange because last episode the difference was only 31 minutes and now it's like it's been like a full day. Yeah. It's it uh So what the heck? It leaves questions. Timey wimey. Yeah. Timey wimey for sure. I keep hearing Regina and I keep thinking of that Lana Perilla character from last season which is definitely right. not named Regina. What was her name? Her name was Greta. Oh, yeah. Because the other one definitely looked like more of a Greta, but... Yeah. Yeah. It was Greta and Bonnie, and you thought the other... And, and everybody always thinks that they're they're opposite, because they don't... Because they look like the opposite. Anyway. You were on that episode, weren't you, Dave? I, I was on half of that episode, yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, is there anything else you guys wanted to say about that super short storyline? Otherwise, we'll just move on to the barracks. Mm-hmm. I ain't got nothing. I just like the memory test. It Instead of mm-hmm. just... Him repeating three words, which is probably what they would do by doing the thing with the cards. It's something to see rather than something to just hear. So I think that was really well done. Like, that's a good way of showing that kind of that kind of memory test, which is a real memory test. Like if you're doing a mental evaluation, that's one of the tests, but doing it with the cards instead of repeating three unconnected words, then it's just much better for TV that way. Good job. Yeah. This show has always been really good at show don't tell. Like it would have been so easy for them to be like, like someone walk over, why are you doing that? And Jack be like, or and Dan be like, I have been having problems with my memory. Yeah. You know, so they've, they've always been good at that. All right, let's go to the barracks. So here is my summary of the barracks storyline. My favorite. The nominal egg town, if you will. Yes, the egg town. Eponymous. The egg town storyline. Yes. <laughs> Eponymous egg town. The titular. Egg- titular. <laughs> All right. Locke wakes up, makes breakfast for Ben, and goes to bring it to him in the basement. Ben absolutely eviscerates Locke with his words, as usual, and Locke retaliates Ayo. by taking away the food he made. Ayo. He smashes it into the wall because Ben's word made, words made him angry. Kate and Claire hang out on their porch when Sawyer joins them. Uh, Kate pretty much immediately tells him to go away. Um, she goes to visit Locke. She asks where Miles is being kept, and he refuses to tell her. Kate 
Kate tricks Hurley into telling her instead. Kate goes to the boathouse and asks Miles what he knows about her. Miles says he'll tell her if she can get him an audience with Ben. Later, Kate hangs laundry with Claire, who says that Ben is in Locke's basement. They discuss motherhood. At Sawyer and Hurley's place, Kate shows up and drinks some wine with Sawyer. He sees right through her, though, and asks what she wants. She wants his help to break Ben out. Sawyer goes to Locke's and plays backgammon with him. Sawyer reveals to Locke that Kate wanted his help getting Ben and Miles together for a conversation. They go running to the boathouse to find it empty. Kate is smuggling Miles into the basement. They get the door open and Miles tells Ben that he'll tell his employer that Ben is dead so he'll stop looking for him, but he'll only do it for $3.2 million. He gives Ben a week to get it. Kate pulls Miles out and Miles tells her everything he knows. She should probably just stay here or she's in for a lengthy court process when she gets back. Wink. Locke and Sawyer discover them there. Afterward, Locke comes to Kate and Claire's. He asks what the conversation was about and after she tells him, he tells her to please leave. Kate goes to Sawyer who comforts her and says that she can stay with him. The next morning, Locke goes to Miles and places a grenade in his mouth, telling him to keep his mouth shut until he's ready to tell Locke some information. Kate wakes up with Sawyer who tries to seduce her but she's not having it. She tells him that she no longer thinks she's pregnant and he's relieved. She gets upset at that and slaps him after he says she's just looking for an excuse to leave and she'll be back soon. <sighs> Woof. Oh. Ouch. So many things. It hurts. Yes. All right. So Locke's eye opens, which is really interesting that we're starting with Locke's eye because it's not his episode and they almost never do that. It's almost always the eye. If, if an episode starts with an eye opening, it's the character whose episode it is. So right. that's kind of weird. What, right. Are those eye shots usually a little tighter than this one was? Oh, good question. Probably. Yeah. yeah they are usually really, really close. Because I because yeah. I watched the episode, I skimmed the notes on, on Lostpedia just to see what they had to say yeah. about the law, but I caught that one. And then mm-hmm. when I rewatched, I was like, yeah, but it's not quite as close as the eye shots are mm-hmm. for a centric character. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I didn't go back and rewatch eye shots. That sounds right to me. But Locke is literally sleeping in Ben's bed, which is a real serve. And he makes breakfast for Ben and brings it down to him. Um, I think it's smart of Locke to like smell the egg to make sure it's not rotten because he doesn't know when Ben got those eggs. So I think that was smart of Locke. And he is holding Ben in the same room that Ben kept Anthony Cooper as well. And he's like, here are the last two eggs and also some cantaloupe. And he brought him a book and Ben is like, dude, this is my book. And if I was Locke, I'd be like, right, because I have books? Right. Of course it's your book. Where do you think I got it? From someone else's house? Sir, I pulled this out of the sand. <laughs> your bookshelf. Yeah, right, right, right. Island Public Library. Right, the Island Public yes, Library. Yes, the Dharma Library. <gasps> As somebody who has been to the one of the public libraries in Hawaii... I guess that's the end of my point, but I have been to one of the public libraries in Hawaii. There are public libraries on islands. There are public libraries. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I thought it would help you pass the time. Nice. Um, Very kind. Thank you. So Ben's like, well, I've read it already. And he's like, okay, well, maybe you'll see something you missed the first time, which I think is like a cute little hint from the writers that this show is endlessly rewatchable. Oh, it really is. Right? I mean, I don't think... I don't know if they even knew that at the time, but oh boy. What I got out of it was there's an old saying, in order to read a book twice, once you need to read it twice, or to watch a Mm. movie once you need to watch it twice, because the first time you're surprised and the second time you process it. That's so true. I love that. Yeah, I feel like he's like, oh, I've read this book already. It's like, who doesn't, like, okay, but like, you could either reread this book or you could sit Sit there and do literally nothing. And do nothing. Like, what? Okay. So Ben is like, why did you move me down here? And Locke basically is like, I wanted you near me. And I was like, romance? That's a little, that's a little (laughs) So he's like, where's Miles? And I think it's so funny that he's just like, "Uh, what's his name? Miles? And I'm like, you know what his name is. You recited a monologue about it two episodes ago. (laughs) What what is it? Miles? Oh, I think. Miles. 
Is it, could it be Miles? So Locke doesn't answer. And Ben's like, you don't want to tell me? And Locke is like, why would I tell you that? <laughs> For literally what reason would I do such a yeah, thing? I was hoping that you would tell me something. So Ben is like, aww, this is sad. You can't find the cabin. You can't talk to Jacob. You don't know what to do next. You're even asking me for help. Wow, this is just like in season two, except I'm locked in a different room and you're even more lost. Wow. Youch! Read him to Phil. Youch, that one hurts. It was even weirder because he said season two. Yeah. Yeah, right. He said, wow, this is just... He literally said... Like season two. (laughs) Hey, this is so two seasons ago. (laughs) Yeah. Name the episode type numbers and everything. (laughs) Yeah, he's just like, remember when I showed up in one of them? (laughs) Oh my god. It's so good. Remember 214? It was great. Every time that we get Ben Linus reading Locke's deepest fears to Phil. Uh-huh. Mm. It's so biting and cruel and incredible because it works every time. Every day I need to applaud Michael Emerson. It works every mm-hmm. time. He knows exactly where to hit him. You, s- yep. you say you hate working for the lawyers, but you are reveling in Ben's evil. Listen, I'm a complex person. I contain multitudes. <laughs> Correct. On Lostpedia, it said, in season one, Locke tells Jack that a leader can't lead if he doesn't know where he's going. And now Locke is trying to be the leader of his group, but he is, as Ben puts it, more lost than he's ever been. So he can't lead because he doesn't know where he's going. And that's entirely untrue. A leader can absolutely lead when they don't know where they're going. That's the premise of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> but then sometimes it's just into a hole. Whoops. Yeah. So Locke says, I know you're trying to upset me and it's not going to work. And Ben's like, oh my God, you're learning. I feel for you, John. I really do. You keep hitting dead ends. You couldn't find the cabin. You can't make contact with Jacob. You're so desperate to figure out what to do next. You're even asking me for help. So here we are, just like old times. Except I'm locked in a different room. And you're more lost than you ever were. I know what you're trying to do. It's not going to work. Excellent, John. You're evolving. Done with your breakfast? So then Locke is like, oh, are you done? Are you done eating? So he takes his food away before he can even eat it. And then once he, like, once he takes it away and he closes the door again, he slams the tray against the wall. And this is just like in season two, which is what Ben was just talking about. Huge parallel of, like, Locke, uh, like, smashing all of those dishes in the hatch. But I'm like, damn, now no one can eat it. Yeah, dude, that's a waste. Those were the last two eggs. Again. And that's what got me thinking about Josh Holloway and Colony and breaking that egg. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it was the same... I think it was the same kind of setup. Oh, it's the last egg. Again, we cannot afford to be wasting this many eggs. Do you know how expensive (laughs) eggs are right now? Right. It also said on Lostpedia that a bit of a blooper that Locke throws the plate of food at the concrete basement wall after leaving Ben, but then the wall shakes as the plate hits it. So it's clearly not a real concrete (laughs) wall. Oh yeah, it's, it's really bad. No, Locke is just very strong. Yeah. It, it's super bad. Like, first time I watched it, I it, you, you can't not see it. Uh-huh. So Locke goes outside, and Kate and Claire are just hanging out on their porch, and Kate's like, what the heck was that? And Claire's like, I don't know. So Sawyer joins them, um, and he's like, hey, good morning, coffee smells good, and Claire offers to go and make him a cup and leaves. I love Claire like the wing woman. She's like, oh, I'll leave you alone with your crush, BRB. It's so cute. 
But also, I'm like, can someone offer to hold that baby while she does that? <sighs> I know. I feel like Sawyer bringing up, like, oh, is this about the pregnancy would have been, like, even more funny with Kate holding a baby. I don't know. I, I agree. Like, obviously, later in this episode, she's like, I don't even want to touch that baby. But I'm also <laughs> just like, if she's going to go and make a cup of coffee, like, can somebody hold this baby so she doesn't have to do both of those things? I don't know. Right? So Sawyer's so like, hey, isn't it weird to be sitting around drinking coffee? Also, I found some clothes your size, so I'm going to kick out Hugo so he has to go live in a different house. And she's like, oh, you don't have to because I don't actually want to move in with you. And I'm like, wait, but okay, hold on. I mean, I know we see it later, but like, we can't just pass by the fact that Sawyer and Hurley are roommates, okay? It's so cute. Oh my God, they were roommates. And they were roommates. I really like how you can tell that somebody's on Sawyer's good side because he's using their real name. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point. Because he does, because she's Kate almost Mm -hmm. the entire storyline until the end when he calls her Freckles. Right, yeah. Yeah. Interesting, because it depends on the nickname, because if it's like a cutesy nickname, then you get it when we're friends, and then, but if it's a mean nickname, then you get it when we're not friends. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. But he's also just saying Hugo the whole time. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, he's not even saying Hurley. Yeah, it's like, um, it's interesting because like last season he had that whole thing where he wasn't allowed to say people's names. And now I feel like he's sort of just in that like rut, you know, like he's just used to not saying nicknames about people. But like he still calls Miles something. I really feel he couldn't remember Miles' actual name. (laughs) Yeah, that is so fair. Quite possibly. That was the feeling I got from that. I feel like that was part of, that's like part of his, all of his nicknames forever is that he's just really bad with names and now he finally knows people's names and so he's using them. <laughs> it's, it, like, it's easier to con people if you can reduce them to a nickname because yeah. then they're not a person. Sawyer has vicious mockery for sure. Oh, Fully. 1d4 every day, all day. <laughs> So, um, Sawyer's like, oh, well, if you're not going to move in with me, like, why'd you even stay here then? And she's like, I'm not telling. And he goes, are you spying for Jack? And she's like, no, I just don't trust you. I don't want to talk to you. And he's like, oh, okay. Is this about the pregnancy? And she like drinks her little coffee cup and it says made in China on the bottom. <laughs> so it's a Dharma coffee cup. And she goes, hey, um, go away. And Sawyer's like, okay. And he leaves without his coffee. I'm like, bro, come on. So he's like, okay, bye. I think I appreciate him leaving after. After she told him to. You know, that's nice that he's like, okay. So Dharma's got to buy those mugs in bulk and then just have their logos printed on it. And make them with their cricket? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The Dharma cricket machine. They're going to have a cricket before anybody else, right? Right. Oh, definitely. They probably invented it. The long lost hatch, the cricket. Yeah. So Kate goes to Locke's store um, and Locke has blood all over his hands and he's like, hi, I just killed a chicken. How are you? So it really was the last two eggs. Oh my god. There are no more eggs because we just killed the chicken. I can't. This is so frustrating. It's a waste. Right. Like, why would you, wouldn't you want more eggs? Like, just continue to get more eggs? It's a waste. But if it's also an older chicken, older chickens mm. stop producing eggs. I've got, I've got a friend with a, with a flock who's in that position right now. Oh, oh okay. Well. Oh no. Who knows? I mean, if anybody on this island would know about that, I feel like Locke would. Yeah. So he killed the chicken. And it's also like nice, like there's like this sort of like underlying thing throughout this episode of where Locke is like making a nice meal for everybody and I'm not sure if anybody actually ends up going. Aww. You know, like Claire's like, he invited us over for dinner. He's making it, like he's clearly like making this chicken for everybody because like he has access to an oven and all of these spices and everything probably. He just wants everyone to have nice things and then nobody ends up getting to go as far as I know. Which is sad. I I just want chicken and 40 cloves now. (laughs) Yeah. So Kate wants to talk to Miles 
And so uh, Locke says, why? And she goes, uh, personal reasons. And he's like, oh, okay, then no. <laughs> She's like, well, why do you get to decide? So Locke says, Jack ran things as a democracy. So I get why you're confused, but that's not what this is. I love this scene. This is so good. good. So good between Kate and Locke. It's really good. And she goes, oh, does that mean it's a dictatorship? Ooh. And he goes, oh, if that was the case, I would just have you murdered and then I would move on. Ha 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 ha. But I'm not doing that. So anyway, dinner's at six. Bye. And he closes the door in her face. <laughs> like, dude, no wonder no one comes to your dinner. I want to talk to Miles. Where are you keeping him? Why do you need to talk to him? Well, that's personal. No. And what gives you the right to decide whether or not... You may think this is a democracy, Kate, because of the way Jack ran things, but this is not a democracy. Then I guess that makes it a dictatorship. If I was a dictator, I would just shoot you and go about my day. Dinner's at six if you're hungry. It's hard because, like, I love Locke, but, like, clearly the power goes to his head a little bit here. Yeah, Locke right now, I, I mean, Ben said it. He has no clue what he's doing. Yeah. He's frustrated because that's a man who needs to know his purpose. Yeah. He's like, not even the island is telling me what to do. And he's always felt like the island tells him what to do. And he doesn't, he just doesn't know right now. Yeah. Spoiler section, spoiler section, spoiler section. <laughs> Write it down, don't forget. <sighs> So then we see Hurley carrying food and Kate says, okay, time to manipulate. Hey, Locke asked me to take this to Miles. And Hurley's like, oh, great. I don't want to. I don't like him. <laughs> so she's like, oh, is he still in the rec room? And he goes, no, he's in the boathouse now. I'm like, was he ever in the rec room? Like, I thought Ben and Saeed were in there. So I don't, I don't remember ever seeing him in the rec room, but I guess they know that. Common be calming. Yep. And so Hurley's like, ah, crap. Well, I got tricked. Hurley's like, please just, like, don't let him go, okay? And Kate's like, I'm not gonna do that. And also, don't tell Locke it was me. Kate doesn't tell Locke. Sawyer kind of does, though. A little bit. So they go over to the boathouse. Casey, me and you had a conversation about this boathouse right before we started recording. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I just want to say, I love a boathouse. I really love this location. I think it's creepy and weird, and I like it. And this is literally the only time in the entire series that we see it. Yeah. I literally, like, I was like, that can't be true, and I went on Lostpedia, but but it is. It's true. You I, you have a boathouse. Use the boathouse. I yeah. love a boathouse. There's something really weird about a boathouse. It's not quite a real house. And always just like having that water in the middle where you pull it in, where you pull the boat yeah. in, gives it that, yeah, but I could swim out of here. And it's like, all yeah. right, they have a very big boat. Use the boathouse. Show me like, the boathouse. People always get murdered in the boathouses. Oh, yeah. Murder happens. Snape died in a boathouse. That guy at the beginning of Twilight died in a boathouse. Those are the two I can think of, but... Oh, shoot. You're so right. Yeah. Yeah. I just... I love a boathouse and I wish they had used this location more. I think it's weird and fun. Yeah. I feel like they could have done more with this for sure. I want to see like what, like what did the Dharma initiative actually do with this boathouse? I wish, I wish we had known, but oh well. I assume that like when Miles inevitably gets out of this boathouse, he just like is out of it, obviously, because at least on Lostpedia, it doesn't say that it was ever seen again. So yeah. On Lostpedia, it said that you can hear peacocks when she approaches the boathouse. Peacocks have never been seen or heard during the series so far, but I can confirm that there are peacocks all over Hawaii. Oh, that's fascinating. So they were just like, well, can't do much about these peacocks right now. I love that. So Miles, when he sees Kate, assumes that Saeed traded Kate too, for who I have no idea, but that's what he assumes. Mm -hmm. And so Kate asks, do you know who I am? And Miles is like, oh, what, you're like some celebrity or something? <laughs> 
well he's so funny she's like do you know what i did and he goes oh my god did you do something like what did you do he doesn't even call saeed by his name he just calls saeed the arab doesn't he oh yeah it's very it's very sawyer you know it's like exactly why like it's extremely sawyer exactly what hurley said ah oh, crap the the freighter said it's another sawyer like that's not even that's not even creative though like sawyer mm-hmm. would have put thought into it and called True. him aladdin or something right and like miles only called yes, he would he would have been thoughtfully racist <laughs> Yeah, and Miles called Hurley Tubby. Yeah. Which also yeah. isn't creative. Not not great. But that's also a Sawyer nickname, isn't it? Oh, probably Definitely. at some point. Like, Sawyer even has a, a nickname for Hurley this episode, but he doesn't say it to Hurley's face. Mm. So, okay, so Miles says, okay, fine, yes, I do know things about you, and I'll tell you, but first you need to do a favor for me. And she's like, I'm not going to let you go. And he's like, no, no, I'm where I want to be. I just want one minute of somebody's time. If you bring him to me, I'll tell you everything, which is Ben. So this is really interesting because, like, he's like, I don't want to be let go. And it's yeah. like, just every Everything shifts after that moment, I feel like. Yeah. And then I also wanted to just do a compliment for Ken, um, who plays Miles. I just think he's great. He's so good. I, what got us talking about the boathouse, I had completely forgotten, like, this whole Kate Miles storyline happened. Mm -hmm. It's so good. I love those two together. Yeah. They have really great energy. They're so interesting. Yeah. So Kate is hanging laundry with Claire and Kate learns from Claire that Locke has been in the basement. Um, and she says, yep, Rousseau took him down there last night. I saw it. Kate asks if Locke ever leaves the house. And she's like, no, he's been all in all, in there all day cooking a meal for all of us. And I'm like, you guys, this is really, it's really nice. It's really nice. <laughs> That's really nice. Now I'm wondering if maybe like Sawyer goes and asks him to play backgammon like after the dinner. Maybe. Oh, maybe. Because it's like night at that point. They just never talk talk about it i don't know anyway so aaron starts crying and kate is like really nervous about helping him and dealing with him um she's like i don't want to upset him even more i honestly feel the same way my cousin had a baby recently i mean now once this comes out it will not have been recently she'll (laughs) have been several months old at this point but they're just like okay well since you work in a school we're like a little bit worried about you holding the baby and i was like oh i don't need to hold the baby I, uh, yeah. I'll just like look at the baby I, like that's totally fine that's not a problem for me I'll just say hi baby like that's all good <laughs> That that's fine just as long as you can get a good smell of baby right I just want to sniff it yeah I don't I don't need to hold it <laughs> right so Claire goes over and does it instead and Kate tells her that she's really good at it and Claire sort of laughs because she says that's like the farthest thing I ever thought I'd be good at and then Claire says you should try it oh. I just think that Claire is a skate shipper I think Claire is a skate shipper because she like was her wingman before and now this I think Claire ships skate I just do honestly this episode fully supports that it does yeah, it does I think so and of course it's like very oh little do you know if you should try being a mother and uh-huh. like try it with your own baby no I'll try it with your baby <laughs> I'm doing it and since we know the plot twist at the end of this episode we can say so and plus at this point Kate is fully afraid that she's pregnant so there's like a huge like obviously it's a twist at the end but there's also like a lot of fake outs this episode too yeah it's so cute I really love Claire and Kate's dynamic in this episode would you guys say that do Claire and Kate pass the Bechtel test at all this episode I feel like they talk about Sawyer and they talk about Locke and they talk about Ben and they talk about I feel like her maybe her talking about how she's a good mother do you guys think that that would count oh I'm, I would say yes. Like, the, it doesn't have to be the whole scene yeah. to be about yeah. something else, right? Why don't we say, at the end, we can say yes, but, like, just barely. Like, it's on the cusp. Asterisk. Yeah. Okay. But, like, I do, I do just really love, like, I mean, it's kind of this whole episode for Kate is like just talking about like the complexities of motherhood and stuff. Yeah. And like, that's, that's a very just nice thing. Mm-hmm. 
it's a nice story to have on television. It's just like something that's less about like romance and more about like, mm-hmm. I don't even know if this makes sense. I know. I know. I know what you but mean. But more yeah, about sure. just like settling down what being a mother is and like yeah. what it is like personally to the mother, you know, mm-hmm. instead of like her relationship to the child, her relationship to the other parent, like something that's like, it's kind of just this whole journey that like individuals, individual mothers go on, like in tandem yeah. with those other things. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. Because and like, it doesn't, but that's fine. It does make sense. Dave, Dave is here and he's like an actual parent person. But I've also like, as I've said for the past few episodes, I've been working with children. And like, I see them every single day at school. And like, there's nothing like having like, a relationship with a kid because they they depend on you you know and like I don't think that I maybe ever want to be a mother but like I love hanging out with kids they're so cool and they're the future I just think I just love them that is inspirational at at least for me as a parent part of Mm -hmm. it is developing that concept of who you are as a parent what that means for you for your life going forward and how you carry yourself, how you model being a person to this little being who doesn't know how to be a person. Right. Oh, that's so crazy. I cannot even, like, tell you guys the amount of, like, joy and actual triumph that I felt in my heart when I finally got these kids to understand fractions. Like, I have two kids that I'm with for grade six math every single day, and we finally got it, and they're like, I get it. And I'm like, I just felt such personal triumph when we finally understood fractions because they understood it. You know what I mean? That's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. The the part of me that was also also used to be a substitute teacher had a lot of the same stuff although i taught history when i was actually teaching content and well people don't get history it's like why do i study this so you don't do it again yeah but so we move on to the next scene and sawyer is sitting there reading his little book um hurley's messing with the tv and he goes do you want to watch it's so cute because they're like doing like little roommate things and hurley's like so now that we're roommates we can like hang out do you guys do you want to watch xanadu or or satan's doom and sawyer's like i don't want to do anything with you i'm reading right now But Hurley's like, I'm well, I'm going to play it anyway. So he plays Xanadu and Sawyer's like, oh my God, turn it down. Kate comes to the door and they're like, come on in. This is my roommate, Hurley. <laughs> this is Hugo. It's freaking wholesome. It's like so domestic. I love it. And so Kate, Hurley does a little wink at Sawyer because he's also a fab wingman. So like truly <laughs> the, the shout outs for this episode go to Hurley and Claire for making it happen. And Sawyer goes, do you have something in your eye? Stop, stop. Stop. You're embarrassing me. Stop. Quit it. Stop. So Sawyer goes and he gets out some red wine and he's like, it's pretty good actually, Dharma wine. How's living with Claire? Is Aaron annoying? And she goes, no, he sleeps well. And they're like, okay, cool. And they just sort of like sit there. It's adorable. <laughs> and we're just having a little, <laughs> just having a little date in Sawyer's house. It's so cute. It's so cute. The Dharma box wine. Yeah. yeah, boxed wine. And so Sawyer's like, okay, listen, so you're doing a really bad job pretending that you're here for me because you already told me earlier today that you aren't. So if you want to use me, just say so. And so she just says so. And I love that line. I it's such a good moment. I love it. I love it. And I'll tell you exactly why I love it. It's because... Tell me right now. It's because... I love it because yep. Sawyer says, just be woman enough to say that you need me for something. Something, okay? No G. Mm -hmm. It's got the little, his southern twang. Yeah, of course, of course. And Kate Mm -hmm. repeats back to him, I want to use you for something. No G. Mm -hmm. Both of them. 
I I just I love it. Oh, I love it. She literally goes, "Here's your," li-, or he goes, "Here's your line," and she goes, "Here's my line." Here's my line. So good. I love it. it I mm, I don't know something about it. Just. <sighs> And he takes her for face value, too. He's just like, okay, I know that this is true. I mean, they've done this before, right? Like, he, like, back in the tents and stuff, he's just like, she comes over and, like, starts macking on him, and he's just like, hey, I know that was about Jack. Yeah. Don't make me think that it was about me when I know it was about Jack. Can you just be honest with me? You know? Like, this is consistent. And I love it that he's just like, okay, for what? What do you want? It's so... Good. I kind of want to see the the actual script to see if that G thing was scripted or if that <gasps> was yeah. a direction choice or an acting choice. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna find this out. Like we could always check the the transcript, but that's not what they got in the script, you know. Yeah. So oh, I don't yeah. know. I don't even know if that's available. But yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. I'm gonna check anyway. Okay, go look for it. Um, but she says that she wants help uh with the whole Ben and Miles thing. So Sawyer goes, okay, I have a crush on you, so I'm gonna do what you want. So Sawyer goes to Locks and he says, hey, do you want to play backgammon? And Locks like, sure. It's like nice because like I feel bad because like obviously Locke is like very power hungry right now, and it's like it's like I don't know how much I support Locke right now, but I also still love him in my sweet soul. And so Sawyer being like, hey, do you want to play? And having that like turn out to be like a manipulation tactic like makes me kind of sad that Locke is just like, oh great, Sawyer just wants to play a little game with me. And he's like also in this scene willing to like sort of open up about his insecurities too and like ask Sawyer his opinion. It's like really sweet. Okay, so at least on the Lostpedia transcript, Mm -hmm. it is something with a G and something with a G. Gotcha. But I'm... Again, I don't know if that means much. I will take my crumbs. Thank you. I bet the subtitles say something. I will take my crumbs. I was trying to watch it with the subtitles on Hulu, but they were off by Um, about half a second and it killed me. Same. Same. It was very frustrating. But as far as this scene with the backgammon goes, it, it comes to my thing where even from the time that I, even from when I watched it before, the first time Sawyer got under my skin because again I would not have gotten along with Sawyer Sawyer would have picked on me and seeing him do that especially when he's doing it to Locke or when he's doing it to Hurley it grates me Mm -hmm. yeah and so this scene kind of grates me too because that's fair because Locke is trying to be open trying to understand Maybe I'm going a little too far. Maybe I'm kind of knee-jerk sympathizing with him more than I should. But he's definitely a more sympathetic character than he was even even in season one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Every person who watches this show sees it in a different light because of their different things that have happened to them in, in life. So, like, in, uh, you're sympathizing with Locke. It, it's not wrong. It's just the way that you're seeing it, which is fine. No, and most of the series, like... I think season four is difficult, but most of the series, I think Locke is an incredibly, like, not a sympathetic character, but, like, you're sympathetic to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I just think these first couple of episodes, he's making some questionable leadership decisions. Yeah. But, I mean, aside from that, like, no, I would agree that, like, I just feel so much for Locke, like, all the time. I mean, even now, you still feel for him because you understand now where he's come from. And it's just sad to uh, see him manipulated because that's kind of always his downfall. And he's, like, so happy to play a game with Sawyer. Like, he's just like, sure, I'd love to play with you. It's, like, it's nice. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. Now my headcanon is that they already had dinner. I would like to believe that. Too. So yeah. So he like got to have like a nice dinner, and then Sawyer came over and played a game with him after. It's nice. It's nice. 
Or it would be. It's pitch black. It's after six o'clock, yeah. unless it's unless it's just December in the Northeast. <laughs> I mean, it definitely is December. Oh, in. <gasps> In 2004. You are correct. Yeah. You are so correct for next episode reasons. Yep. Are they still in the South Pacific? Why wouldn't they still be in the South Pacific? We got some spoilers <laughs> coming ahead. Oh, I, I didn't think, I forgot that that was still a spoiler at this point. That's okay. That's okay. But so like, so yeah, so Sawyer goes to Locks, And also, oh, what, I, what was I going to say? Oh, it's just like Sawyer. And also we sort of get the idea that maybe Sawyer was also duped by Kate until later when he says, oh, I was trying to get Locke to think that you also tricked me. Right. Like, it, he totally sells it. He does. So uh, Sawyer goes to Locke, want to play backgammon? Yes. Um, on Lastpedia, it said that he sets up the game of backgammon correct- incorrectly, though, because the point with the three checkers should be two points away from the bar and not three. I'm not a backgammon expert. In fact, I don't think I've ever played backgammon, so I would not know. I have never. But it also said that Sawyer is playing the white and Locke is playing ba- black. So there's your dark and light there. Mm-hmm. And Locke says, hey, um, do you think I'm doing a good job? Like, do you regret coming with with me and Sawyer's like honestly I would be having a worse time if I was on the beach so no which is like not very validating <laughs> that is not Sawyer's like it's bad both places right. so so Locke's like and what about the rest of the group and Sawyer says they say bah because they are sheep and they are predictable but I'm not sure about Kate promise you won't do anything to her Locke takes a little too long so Sawyer's like never mind and Locke's like no 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 sorry no okay <laughs> I promise I promise so he's like okay so an hour ago she came to me wanting help busting Ben out because Miles wants to talk to him and Locke's like, well, she doesn't even know where Miles is. And so, so he's like, dude, he's in the boathouse. Like, Hurley knows, knows, so everybody knows. But like you said, Dave, he keeps calling him Hugo. Yeah. Which is interesting. And Locke's like, what the heck? I thought this was a secret. No. Like, Terry's face is like, ah! <laughs> It's so funny that he's literally like, what? Oh, crap. So Locke grabs his gun and he's like, if Miles wants to talk to Ben, Miles can talk to me. So they head to the boathouse, but it's empty. So Kate played both of them. Ooh. But obviously Sawyer makes it clear later that he was just trying to make Locke believe he had also been played. Yeah. Can't con a con man and you can't stop a con man from conning. Uh-uh. Yep. And you can't stop a con man's girlfriend from doing her con if the con man's helping. If the con man's girlfriend <laughs> is also a con Maybe. man. Yeah, right. If the con man's girlfriend is also a con or you can't oh boy can't swing a dead con man on this island without hitting a con man <laughs> so true so kate and miles uh head to locks now that he's gone um and i love the little shot of miles peeking out from behind kate sort of as like a little reveal that that had like already happened and everything they finally get down there and they break into the room and she says okay you have that one minute that you were asking for um on lastpedia it said that her handgun would not have defeated that padlock um so that's a little unrealistic but whoever said this show was realistic yes mm-hmm. Fair. And even then, padlocks are probably easier to beat than you can than they care to admit. Yeah. There's a whole TikTok and YouTube channel dedicated to how bad master locks are. <laughs> so Miles asks for some uh, privacy, and Kate goes, "Nope." And actually, you're still running out of time. So Miles says, "Do you know who I am?" Ben says, "Yep," just immediately. And it's interesting because it's the same question that Kate asked him. So that's kind of cool. That they were both asking, do you know who I am? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know who I work for? Also, yes. Then you know that he's put a lot into finding you. And look who found you. Me. And I can tell him exactly where you are. Or I can say that you're dead. And I will do that for $3.2 million. Such an oddly specific number. Why that number? Oh, I know why that number. And I'll tell you in the spoiler section. (laughs) We know why, but God, it's frustrating. Oh, but you guys are like, why that number? Yeah, yeah. Does he owe two different people 
1.6 million because that's a 16. Right. But we just don't know right now. It's just, it, but it is definitely like a funny moment where you're like, what a, what a specific number. What a weird number to choose, bud. So Ben's like, uh, you're blackmailing me. And he goes, uh, kind of, it's, it's extortion though. <laughs> so Ben's like, okay, well, why wouldn't you ask for more than 3.2 then? And also, why do you think I even have that much money? Miles says, don't treat me like, I don't know who you are. I love this. Right. And Ben says, well, Charlotte knows that I'm alive. And Miles like, I'll deal with it. I love okay. this. I love that Miles says, don't treat me like one of them. Like, mm-hmm. don't treat me like one of these jabronis who like still yeah. think that like you d- d- just, d- I know who you are, dude. And Kate's like, are you talking about me? Because Miles has like a whole file on Ben, you know, Miles and the other people in the freighter probably know the most about him than, than any of these other people. Yeah. More than Juliet, probably. Oh, yeah. So he says, you have two days to get me that money. And Ben says, uh, I'm a little tied up at the moment. <laughs> Can we maybe give me a little extension? And he's like, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. Okay, one week in cash. And Ben's like, yeah, still not really sure how I'm supposed to do that. But okay. okay. So Kate says, okay, time's up and takes him out. And fun fact, she actually gave him a minute and 20 seconds. Oh. I act, I don't think it was because she like was like, that was one minute and she was wrong. I think it, she was like interested in seeing how the conversation was going to go. Oh, definitely. And so she let him keep going. She's like, oh no, this is, this is too juicy. Keep going. So she pins, she pins him to the wall, which he's like into. And he calls, and he says that it's hot. And you know what? He's not wrong because she did like that cool like dope door slam behind her. It was really cool. It's true. It's freaking hot. And she sort of spends the rest of the scene just sort of like tenderly holding his throat as well. You know? Um, I'm just like, whoa, what's going on here? That, that nice tender kind of choking. Yeah, right. So she's like, okay, give me my answer. He says, okay, so you gave us your name and you called the freighter and we know about all of you. So your name, Catherine Ann Austin, you're wanted for murder, fraud, arson, and a bunch of other stuff. You were being brought back as a fugitive. It makes sense that he doesn't under, that he doesn't remember all of those things. He mm-hmm. remembers like three of them and there was like a bunch of other stuff. But like, I love how like Ben's out here remembering like Charlotte's birthday and where she was born and her parents' names. And Miles is like, I remember like most of it. <laughs> yeah. I just think I think that's good. I think that's realistic that yeah. he that he is not the type of character to just recite a giant block of text of things about you. Yeah. So he's like, honestly, if I were you, I'd just stay here. Like maybe you didn't survive the crash. I don't know. And it's like a really nice moment of sincerity from Miles, to be honest. It kind of is. It's like the first one that we've ever seen. So they start heading back up the stairs, but Sawyer and Locke are there. Locke tells Kate to go home and she's like, oh my God, okay, Locke. But okay, just so you know, like it wasn't even about you at all. Like I'm not mad at you. I hope you're not mad at me. Um, you know, it wasn't about you. I wasn't trying to go against you in particular, that personal. And Locke's just like, please just leave. Looks like actually everything is about me. So yeah, right. So she leaves. And it's sort of like after when I was doing my rewatch yesterday, it sort of reminded me of that part in Hamilton where like in Meet Me Inside where he's like, go home, you know, and it's sort of like meeting up with. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my brain went, okay, what's the part after Washington says go home? And that's when it's look around, look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now. And I was like, that part where Eliza is telling Hamilton that she's pregnant. Oh, oh my God. And I was like, this goes with the scene with Sawyer and Kate later. I'm like, there was. So what you're saying is Lin-Manuel Miranda is a lost man. (laughs) Like, this is such a far, like, this is like a, a an Elastigirl level stretch, um, but I'm just saying this is what it reminded me but of. But listen, it's working. Yeah, like, right? I don't know. It's working, which is nutty. I'm just saying, like, you could make a fan video. I'm not saying that it means anything. Oh! Uh- 
I don't know. My mind's a little blown right now. Oh, okay. Okay. So Kate is sitting alone in her and Claire's house listening to, you know, Patsy Cline as always. Oh. Claire comes in and asks if she's okay. What? I just have to say that I have Tell a me. I have a skate playlist because of course I do. And I have this song uh-huh. on there. And oh my God, every <laughs> time I hear it, I'm like, oh, skate. Drop your skate playlist Ugh, in the uh, Discord in like four months when this finally comes out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it'll be nice and warm then. Yeah, <laughs> right. That'll be nice. So Claire comes out and asks if she's okay. And she's like, oh, I couldn't sleep. I hope I didn't wake the baby. So I was Claire would be like, no, you didn't wake the baby, but you sure did wake uh, me. You woke me up and I don't really get much sleep these days because of the baby. So you're straight up playing music in the middle of the night so she's like oh dude he was born here like he'll sleep through anything it's fine she also says that the bed takes a little getting used to since they were used to sleeping on you know nothing <laughs> so it's hard it's like Mm, and it doesn't have the same the same give that sand does <laughs> yeah so Locke comes in he doesn't even knock and he wants to speak with Kate alone and Kate says that it's okay and Claire goes and I think it's really nice that Claire like checks with her yeah that stuck out to me yeah she because Claire and Locke used to be really close um like I'm as you guys know I'm currently re-watching the show with my parents and we're in the middle of season two where Claire and Locke are like really close and they're like BFFs but obviously she's seen like a really weird side of him lately yeah and so yeah it just makes sense to me that she's like sort of like checking on like her allegiances are closer to Kate than they are to Locke right now. Yeah, I picked up on that and I really like that. I think it just, yeah, it further hammers home the like bond that Kate and Claire have. It's something like mm-hmm. very special and uh, mm, spoiler thoughts, but I think it's continues to be very important. Yeah, continues to be very important. And it's just really one of the most special yet most underrated relationships on the show Mm -hmm. and I think it's just so beautiful like what they bring to each other like hi Kate delivered your child yeah you're gonna have a bond with that person for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life yeah I hate that this conversation made me made my mind immediately come up with a Claire and Locke ship name Clock. Whoa! And I really Clock, don't Clock. like that. I really don't no, like that. No, it's good! It's a good ship name, though. Damn. It's a perfect ship name. It's perfect because the problem with skate is that it's just straight up a word, you know? So, like, when you try, try and, like, hashtag it or you tag it and stuff, n- n- you can't get anything from there. Clock with an E at the end? Mm-hmm. Oh, That's my God. great! That's good stuff. You will get, That's you'll good. be able to so easily access that mm-hmm. content. I'm so jealous. Yeah. But it is also <laughs> So the most cursed daddy-daughter kind of ship. Okay. Oh, yeah. Charlie is rolling over in his grave right now. No more. Or he's doing like, I don't know, backflips in the water or wherever he is. Rolling over in his watery grave. Yeah, yeah. Charlie's like, I knew it! (laughs) Oh, no. So Locke says... It's fine. Like, I don't even need to know why you did it. I just want to know what they said. So Kate straight up tells the truth. And she's like, I'm sorry. Like, I asked you where he was and you wouldn't tell me. So, like, I had to do something else. And if you guys, I don't know if you guys noticed, but that was sure was a Canadian sorry that she did. (laughs) It sure was. She said, I'm sorry. I did hear it. And again, Mm -hmm. Canada's not a real place in the Lost Universe. Yeah. It's true. It's weird because I, like, I listened to it and I was like, wait, was that a Canadian accent? I had to listen to it like four or five times to be like, am I listening to it because I'm Canadian and I can't tell if this is weird or not? Or was it actually the accent? It took me a lot of time trying to figure it out. (laughs) But then Locke says, talk to the hand. He puts out his hand and he says, you are no longer welcome and you will be gone by morning. You are dismissed. So sad. Okay, love you. Screw off. What do you guys think? Do you think this was fair of Locke? Yeah. Um, um yeah, he uh 
to the extent that he's in charge, but at the same time, is he fairly in charge? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I think it's a fair move, but also nothing about what Locke has done is fair. Hmm, yeah. I'm like, it still feels like too much of a power move in like sort of a bad way. Yeah. But I also get that he's like trying to keep this, not necessarily as like a safe space, but like sort of a, like he's trying to cultivate this space. And if she's going to go again, against things that are like for I think he probably sees it as like not for the good of the group like for the bad of the group yeah well he's trying to that he's like you're out he's trying to exert control and Mm -hmm. if you have Kate out here doing her own thing he's lost control and yeah you know and then anarchy that can trickle down to everyone else and suddenly he's lost his power over these people yeah but at the same time what she was doing she did knowing she was going to piss him off yeah yeah so it's not like she respected him in the first place and even then right even if he did not have a sense of authority he'd be perfectly fine in saying you screwed me over i don't want I want you out of my sight. Right. Yeah. And it's not like she knew, it's not like her plan was to get Miles back in time too. Like she knows that Sawyer said that to Locke. Like in no way does she get out of this scot free. Locke thinking that she actually didn't do anything wrong, you know? Right. Right. Like they were going to figure it out at some point. And I also wanted to say that like, I think that he's not necessarily trying to like exert power over everybody. Like everybody like her and like Claire and everything. He's not like, I am almighty over top of those people. He's just trying to like, like I said, cultivate like a group that's going to be safe. I think the only person that he's actually like happy to have power over is Ben. Right, right. The only person he's actually trying to like look down upon is Ben. Right. I don't think he's trying to like control people and and Mm -hmm. sway them one way or another. I think he, he has a mission that he genuinely believes is for the good of all of them and mm-hmm. the more he loses everyone else's belief in him then like the more he loses or <laughs> oh i'm just talking in circles the more he <laughs> the further he gets away from his mission which is like mm-hmm. of ultimately like you're saying con- cultivating like a better life for everyone yeah so kate goes to sawyer and sawyer says sorry like i wish i could have done more but i i want him to still trust me so i made him think that you played me too so kate basically says well he told me to leave and sawyer says he banished you well i unbanish you it's so cute and you're not banished from here because this is my house and so he's going and like taking off her shoes for her and it's really sweet they're like giggling it's so cute. This is look around, look around and how lucky we are to be alive right now. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So then they hear the toilet flush and Sawyer calls Hurley Montezuma. And here is the joke. So Montezuma was the subdued ruler of the Aztec Empire at the beginning of the Spanish conquest of Mexico. In Mexico, traveler's diarrhea is often referred to as Montezuma's revenge. That's funny. Sawyer is making a poop joke. That's funny. And this reminds me of why I love him. That is comedy. Poop jokes are so funny. That is comedy. Poop jokes are always funny. That's comedy. And it's like subtextual. Like dude like made his way around a poop joke and Sawyer is so smart and so well read. He really is. Just a nerd. He's a big freaking nerd. Mm -hmm. With 
knowledge that he can weaponize and does when yep. he needs to. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I don't know. It, it's that inherent dislike that I've got for him. It's the same inherent dislike so I've got fair. for Tom Paris. It's the same deal. Keep it. Yeah. That's totally fine. And so Sawyer's like, well, Hurley lives here too, but I'll keep you safe. And then they lie down together and kiss and I love it. And this is what I asked for from last episode that I didn't get. And so I'm happy. It's mm, my rights. Oh, hey, Freckles. You okay? Look, I'm sorry I couldn't do nothing. I wanted him to think that he fooled me, too. No sense in him not trusting both of us. He wants me gone by tomorrow. What, he banished you? Well, I unbanish you. You can stay right here. (laughs) This is my house. Okay, me and Montezuma's house. (laughs) You're gonna be all right. I'll keep you safe. In the morning, Locke goes to the boathouse and Miles now hangs from his wrists in there. Locke comes in and he's like, hi. He has a grenade. He puts it in Miles's mouth and pulls the pin. This is so unhinged. Literally. And Miles is like screaming and he's like, hey, so when I tied you up, I forgot to introduce myself. I'm so sorry. I'm John Locke and I'm responsible for the well-being of his island. (laughs) Well, sir, that sure is a title that you gave to yourself, isn't it? That's, mm, you, yep. You made that title up. Like, okay. Eventually you will tell me about yourself and about the other people in the boat and why you all care so much about Ben. But until then, keep your mouth shut, okay? Yesterday I learned that there's no point in having rules if there are no consequences. So anyway, you'll be fine if you keep biting down. Have a good breakfast. Thanks so much for staying. Is the breakfast the grenade? Ugh. It's freaking nuts. Comedian lock. It's the, oh my God, you guys, my job would lock so fast. I would be so dead. Like, I honestly have no idea how he makes it through this and how he doesn't die. I truly don't. I don't know. I don't know how lock is like, anyway, anyway, he won't die. Like if I was lock, I'd be like, I'm not like, what if he accidentally does? And then I've lost another bargaining chip. Right? One of the things that kind of gets missed, there's a joke that gets missed because people probably wouldn't, get it like uh-huh. Locke says like you got to keep keep biting down on that trigger or something like that yeah the the little clip on a grenade is often called a spoon Ooh, that is funny but at the same time it's not widely known so yeah. the joke wouldn't land for a lot of people and just raise more questions it's just a little fun fact it is a fun fact enjoy your breakfast <laughs> yeah i just think this is crazy i have no idea like this is it like more unhinged than Locke has been than normal over the past couple episodes like that's uh, whoa yeah it's nuts so in the last scene, Skate are asleep together and they're going to hook up again, but then Kate stops him. And so there's like, what? It's not like we haven't done it before. And I'm like, oh, babe, I remember. We know. So Sawyer is like, it's all good that we didn't do it last night. Like you were sad. No worries. But like I said, I'll keep like I said, you'll I'll keep you safe. And like you didn't want to like that's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, it's cute that you say sweet things to manipulate her into that. And then it's really smart of you to tell her right away that that's why you're doing it. Mm. 
I don't really, like, care for this at all. So she pushes him away, and he's like, what? Why are you pushing me away? Maybe because you said that those sweet things you said were to manipulate her into sleeping with you. Yeah, bud, not great. He's like, oh, do you think you still might be pregnant? And she's like, no, I know I'm not. So she got her period, I guess. I guess. I guess. It's like, like, they don't really explain why she doesn't know that, but it's 2007. So, or 2008 now, but yeah. They didn't have Turning Red to talk about periods. They didn't, that's for sure. To audiences. Oh, a great Turning Red reference. Thanks, man. <laughs> has, uh, has your former roommate Emily testified as to whether or not that is a chilling depiction of what it was actually like growing up in Toronto in 2002? You know what? I don't, I don't remember. It was like so, it was so long ago since when it came out. I don't, I don't know if she ever even watched it, honestly. It's about her life. I know, I know. Every time we see it, they have like Canadian money and I'm like, that's our money! <laughs> They're excited. But okay, so, so now she says, oh no, I know I'm not pregnant. And so now the audience at this point thinks that she was wrong because in the flashes, she has a son. Right. So the audience is like, okay, she must, there must be something off here. So Sawyer's like, phew! Okay, good. Ugh. And Kate's like, thank God. Would it really be that bad? And he's like, oh, yeah! Yeah, it would be pretty what would we have done with a baby? And so she gets like dressed and is leaving. And I'm like so torn here because like clearly like Kate is like, I don't want to be a mom to Claire. And like Sawyer does have a point that like that would be really hard. Clearly he, they watched Claire uh, raising this baby and it's really hard and difficult. I think if I don't know. just added, what would we have done with a baby here? Yeah. Like mm. under these circumstances? Sure. Like- that's huge. But the way yeah. he says it, just he never says that it's not because, oh, what would he do with a baby with Kate? And she's yeah. like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. So she starts getting dressed and like leaving. And he's like, what? Why? You're so confusing. Mixed signals. Like, he's like, okay. So then he takes a turn. And I think that people get slapped too often on this show. I really think that's true. And I don't think he deserved to be slapped, but I definitely think that what he said was, like, not cool and was very bad. Yep. And I'm not pregnant. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean... Woo! Would it have been the worst thing in the world? Yes, yes, it would have been the worst thing in the world. I mean, what would we have done with a baby? I'm going back to the beach. Beach? What, you're leaving because of this? That's that? You crawl up in my bed one second, and the next you just... Goodbye, James. Don't make this about me, Kate. You didn't want a baby any more than I did. You're just looking for some excuse to split, and now you got one. Well, that's all right, Freckles. I ain't gonna hold it against you. I'm just gonna sit right here in my comfy bed. Because in about a week, you'll find some reason to get pissed at Jack and bounce right back to me. I believe that this is sort of like the final bring down of the skate. Um, I wanted to say thank you to the audience for putting up with my skate garbage. Thank you especially to Maria for hanging in all yeah. this time. I'm sorry and thank you for allowing me to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace. I will never mm -hmm. forget you and I will continue to talk about you all the time, Skate. <laughs> A moment of silence for Skate. Especially in the future as I declare my ultimate ship, which is Schooliet. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Casey, we're having a moment of silence. <sighs> yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> I'll remember her so fondly. <laughs> Go listen to my skate playlist to mourn. Ooh. Um, yeah, if you send it to me, I'll put it in the description. It's good. But okay, so anyway, Sawyer's like, don't make this a me thing, because I know that you don't want a baby. You just want an excuse to leave. So congratulations. I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'll be here in my comfy little bed, and in a week, you'll find an excuse to get mad at Jack, and you'll be back. Yeah. I- um, ouch. Not cool. He's right, but wow. Yes, people get hit too often on this show, but at the same time, he deserved it. Yeah, if anyone was going to deserve it. It's just like, is he wrong? Like, you don't say it. That's inside thoughts. Right. But also... He's not... He's not wrong. Yeah. I think it could also be... And I'm... And I'm gonna feed Skate here. He is someone who is so used to hiding his active thoughts. But Mm, when he's around Kate, he doesn't worry about expressing them. That's so true. That is such a good point. They are so brutally honest with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (sighs) Love it. And that's actually it. The whole rest of the episode is flashes. Um, Usually there's more like of a conclusion for the island storyline. But yeah, that's actually it. The conclusion is just the falling out of skate. Yeah. Rip. Is there anything else you guys want to say about the island storyline before we have our break and then go into flashes? I honestly think that this would be a great time to take a break to, uh... Okay. Same. To, to mourn Suli- to, uh... Whoop! Mourn skate. Yeah, that. Yeah. R.I.P. Oh boy, I'll miss ya. But, hey, my next rewatch, you'll be back. Okay, love you, BRB. Okay, let's do another one, two, three, clap. Nice. <clears throat> Alright, Dave, do you want to do it this time? No, it's fine. <laughs> Okay, here, here we go. One, two, three. Amazing. Good work, team. So before we get into our flash forwards, we're going to talk about Patreon real quick. Patreon? What Patreon? Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaffictionados. <laughs> Period. <laughs> and... Ma'am. If you do a monthly donation of $1 or more, you can join our Patreon. Though the $1 level is our, is just early access to every single podcast. This one's going to come out a whole week in advance. $2 is the Discord server. $5 is 10% off at three different small businesses, mine, Brittany's, and Casey's. And um, the $10 level is our Patreon-only podcast, which comes out every two weeks. It's about 45 minutes long, and it's just for you. Uh, Dave, you are a Patreon sponsor. How do you feel about it? I am in the presence of uh, things purchased from all three of your wonderful shops. <gasps> it's true. Thanks. And it is a blessing to have those things in my home. And at the same time, my favorite thing is at the $10 level. Because when I'm feeling a little bit lonely, a little bit sad, I can catch up with Van Fan. Yeah. It's true. It's, it's so good. <laughs> because OK Love You High is apparently my happy place. <laughs> um, relatable. Hey, thanks, guys. Good work. Uh, we work really hard on it. But if you guys can't help us out on Patreon, maybe check out those small businesses. They're all going to be in the description, so we'd really appreciate that. Um, and if not, just recommend us to a friend. Even if they have never seen Lost before, say, hey, watch along and then listen to this pod. Yeah. Do you want to change your life? Yeah. What's Lost? That'd be great. Really appreciate that. Um, But now we're going to go into our flash forwards, and Casey did the summary for that. <sighs> My biggest challenge. Okay. In the future, Kate arrives at court where she is being tried for a whole lot of crime, including but not limited to fraud, arson, assault, crime larceny, grand theft auto, and first degree murder. 
Yikes! She pleads not guilty, but is ordered to be held in custody for the remainder of the trial out of concern that she's a flight risk, which, let's be real, is not wrong. Kate meets with her lawyer, who tells her that there's essentially no scenario in which she won't be doing time. He suggests their best chance is making the case about Kate's character, not what she did or didn't do. He wants to generate sympathy by bringing in, okay, are you ready for this? (laughs) Kate's son? Excuse me? Whoa. Back in court, Kate's lawyer brings in a surprise character witness. It's Dr. Jack Shepard. Kate is uneasy by his presence as her lawyer questions him about how he and Kate met. Jack speaks fondly of Kate, but she stops him from continuing. The DA then cross-examines Jack with only one question. Does he love Kate? Jack says he doesn't, at least not anymore. Oof, the tea is hot. Kate's lawyer arranges for her to meet privately with her mother, Diane, which Kate is super not into. Diane tries to get through to Kate, but Kate hasn't forgotten that the last time she saw her mom, she cried out for help. Diane suggests she won't testify against Kate if she can see her grandchild, but this just makes Kate angrier and she refuses. The next day in court, the judge calls a recess because the DA's star witness Diane can no longer testify due to health issues. Kate, her lawyer, and the DA meet to discuss a possible deal. Kate agrees to 10 years of in-state probation. On her way out, Kate runs into Jack. He says he didn't mean what he said on the stand and Kate invites him over to see her son. Jack declines and suggests the two of them get coffee instead. But Kate says that while she understands why Jack doesn't want to see her son, the two of them can't be together until she does. Nope, until he does. Kate returns home where her babysitter has put her son to sleep. She gently wakes him up and holds him in a tight hug, greeting him as Aaron? What? What is going on? Oh, so good. I mean. I love when an episode ends with a a twist. I mean. What is going on? And what Mm -hmm. is going on? And what is going on? Right. As a lawyer and a lawyer-adjacent person, are there any statements that you guys would like to make before we get started? I have literally never been in a court. I can, All right. It makes more sense to go scene by scene what's good and what's okay. bad because, yeah, no, it makes more sense to go scene by scene. Got it. Let's do it. I just want to say, mm-hmm. I just want to say, there is okay so much paperwork involved in a trial, and you know who has to make all those copies? Us. Okay, little punks at the bottom of the totem pole getting paid a a a fraction of the salary of the attorneys. And I just want to thank the people who have prepared all the copies for this trial. Okay, I see you. Yes, I see. Thank you, you people. I'm going to bet you those prosecutors, the prosecutors probably have to. Well, no, this is the DA herself. So she probably has people. But those clerks are probably union. Mm. It's true. In terms of paralegals, not only do they get paid less, but we bill out paralegal rates definitely higher than what you make because you are not a cost. Ugh. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of screwed. I had to have this conversation with uh, another attorney recently where he was of the opinion if you bill for paralegal time at a rate any higher than what you're actually paying them, it's fraudulent. And then my immediate response was that's for costs. Paralegals aren't, a, oh, oh, yeah. para, paralegals aren't a cost. Paralegals are a service provided, which just kind of made me feel weird because I know I'm right, but it doesn't sound or feel right. <laughs> I know I'm right, but it doesn't feel good. Yeah, no, that like that is, that is bar prep day one. When you are studying for the bar exam, the pep talk that you'll often get from your bar prep class is... 
This is the bar exam. Nothing is fair. Bad people will lose and good people will win. And that's why I need to get out of the legal field. Because that's been true forever. Because like, And right next to something on my shelf here that Robin made is a copy of uh, an article that I keep by uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes called The Path of the Law. And one of the ideas is, yeah, bad people are bad people, but they also deserve the protection of the law. Ugh, it's right, but why? I know. Full disclosure, I'm also not a trial attorney. Mm. I am a disability attorney. I litigate Social Security appeals, so they are very different from criminal trials. But I did sit down with... Like I said, I skimmed the Lostpedia notes. I pulled a couple of um, of statutes and rules and looked over some of that stuff before coming into this. But hey, thanks, Dave. But if you uh, if you need criminal law, why are you getting your information from a podcast? About <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Retain your own attorney. This is not legal advice. Yeah, great. Um, so Kate is here with her lawyer, and his name is Duncan Forrester. Duncan. Wait a second. What's Emmett's last name in Legally Blonde? Oh. I just saw Legally Blonde for the first time this year, so I don't know. (gasps) You what? Actually, last year. Van Fan. 2022 trip. Oh my. How could you have- They educated me. Okay, it says Richmond, but somebody's last name is Forrester. Is Is it in Legally Blonde the musical that his last name is Forrester? Yeah, okay, okay. 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 I was in the musical, you guys, and his last name is Forrest in the musical. Ooh. For a second, I thought that they were making a reference to Legally Blonde, but they super aren't. I Sorry mean, about that. No, they're making a reference to Legally Blonde, the musical. The musical. But his actor is in uh, uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 4, has a great arc oh. and a really good story. Oh, shoot. Well, great. I was about to talk about his actor. Um, His name is Sean Doyle, um, and he actually worked with Elizabeth Mitchell in a film called Frequency, and the film uh, involved time travel, and his character was a serial killer named Jack Shepard! Oh (laughs) my god. Straight up named Jack Shepard, and he's prevented from killing Elizabeth Mitchell's character. So he tries to kill Elizabeth Mitchell's character, and he can't. But his name is Jack Shepard. That's straight up his name in the movie. Oh my god. I'm like, when did this movie come out? Now I gotta look. Oh, you cannot make this up. Watch well, us looking that up. Yeah, he's in season four of Discovery. He is a scientist from Risa. If you are a fan of Star Trek, or Star Trek The Next Generation, wow. you'll remember where, that Risa is the place where people go to just have sex constantly. So a scientist from that planet is probably one of the funnest characters. Oh my god. I've ever seen. All right. You guys, this film, it's called Frequency, and it came out in 2000, okay? So way before Lost, weirdly enough. Character's name's Jack Shepard, and it's played by Sean Doyle, and another person who's in it includes Dennis Quaid and Andre Brower of uh <laughs> Brooklyn 99 fame and Michael Sarah. Oh my god. Oh wow. Do we need to see the film? Maybe. We might need to. I might have to watch the film. I've seen it. I really like it. Um it is oh. it is everything that you want from a father daughter film for Oh no. Am I thinking about Is there a frequency? Yeah, because 
Caviezel's in it, isn't he? Let me go back. I already I already went out. Let me go back. Hold on. Yep, yep. Yeah, so... And he plays Elizabeth Mitchell's dad, it looks like. Or or Dennis Quaid does. Either way, they all have the same last name, and their characters all have the same last name. Yes, they're a family. Caviezel's the... I am, yeah, Caviezel's the son. And it is a father-son story that has everything you want from time travel, uh, police, baseball, all and all of these things are plot. Baseball? And Yeah, and all of these things are plot points. I feel like Jack Shepard would love this movie about Jack Shepard murdering people. <laughs> it's a real it was a really good film. I remember it being good and the kind of thing where you can get men to have emotions. Wow. I'm looking up to see if I can see a picture of Elizabeth Mitchell in this film. I would like to see it. I've seen it so long ago I remember nothing. Oh, she's little. Just look up frequency film Elizabeth Mitchell and you'll find have. it. But either way, so Kate wants to go through the back because there's a whole bunch of people outside and Duncan says no she needs to go in there with her head held high so they get out there there's a million reporters and Duncan says she's not making any statements and you can hear a man in the crowd and he shouts something but if you reverse it it says we hate you oh I'm just like not really sure why that was reversed I just think it's interesting that they were like hiding it because it also makes no sense like even in the like unless he's like a victim or victim's relative or something like that yeah uh, yeah. And even then, she's also, <laughs> Kate herself is a victim's relative. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, who knows? But okay, so she goes to the courtroom and the docket number of her trial is 42231815. So that's 42, 23, 8, and 15 in there. Wow. Woof. Uh, it is the people versus Catherine and Austin. And the judge is named Arthur Galsathrone, which is a name. And <laughs> here are the counts. So she stands up and the counts are fraud, arson, assault on a federal officer, assault with a deadly weapon, grand larceny, grand theft auto, first degree murder. What do you plead? Not guilty. Oh! (laughs) And the crowd is like, what? Which is dumb. Like, first of all, why are you surprised that someone's pleading not guilty? Yeah. Like, isn't that the whole point of the trial? Why has it taken this long for her to get an arraignment. Yeah. So the DA is Melissa Dunbrook, and she's on the side of the government, and she's requesting that Kate be in custody uh, for the trial. And just a heads up before we start talking, I totally ship Melissa and Duncan, so if we see anything about that, let me know. So Duncan's like, uh, she's been totally fine till now, and now she, you think that she's like a flight risk? And she's like, babe, literally, I guess extremely. Yeah. And you know what, Melissa? She's got a point. Yeah, it's, it's fair. She does, and she absolutely does does. But again, the idea that she was out pending arraignment, how long was she out pending arraignment? Yeah, I don't know. Arraignment's supposed to be something that happens relatively quick. Mm, Yeah, we don't know how long it is after. Like, maybe they, like, gave her some grace time because she had, like, been through a trauma. Like, I don't, I don't even know how, probably look it up, hold on. Well, if you you want to, is there anything else on this scene that you want to talk about? Yes, uh, okay, so, so Duncan says she's got one of the most recognizable faces in America, so where could she possibly go? Judge agrees that based on her history, she will be in custody for the trial, and Duncan says, sorry, Kate is taken away, and she has handcuffs put on which of course feels triggering like very pilot part one uh, mm. with these handcuffs and then it also said on Lostpedia despite Kate's murder of Wayne Jansen having occurred in Iowa um, her case is put before a state court in California in addition the same court also tries her for her bank robbery which should actually be handled by a federal court yeah but, mm. uh, yeah I've, I've got a lot of- okay now Dave pop off on this scene and I'm gonna look up uh, when this scene takes place based on when we are 
in the timeline. Yeah, let me just... I'm pulling up the scene on the transcript because that's going to be the easiest way for me to go okay. through it. <laughs> Bearded man in crowd, we hate you. <laughs> that's so cruel. <laughs> so, yeah, looking at the counts first. So we're supposed... So we're left to believe that the grand larceny is supposed to be the thing for the bank robbery. Okay, I guess. Or, I guess, because, like, there's no other trial. But just looking at these things, and I was trying to find a reason or a way that you could be tried under the laws of one state with a jury of one state in a court sitting in another. And no, that is absolutely not how it happens. There is no provision for that. There are certain things that the U.S. Constitution will, like, preserve as a right for mm-hmm. for a criminal defendant. Like, you've got a right to a trial, but you can waive that right. Things like that. And there are some things that the Constitution will say just happens. And one of the things that it says just happens is that you are tried in the state where the crime committed, thank you, period, end of sentence. So, mm-hmm. and even then, I can't imagine a reason why Iowa would want to send this to California when Iowa's got 99, 98 other perfectly good counties with perfectly good court systems and perfectly good juries that could have heard it. Mm-hmm. Assault on a federal officer, why would that not be in a federal court? There's no reason that would be in a federal court, and state courts have no power to enforce federal laws. That's so true. A lot of oversights. Exactly. Like, you you can't... A court can't hear something that it doesn't have jurisdiction over, and a state court doesn't have jurisdiction over federal crimes unless Mm. there's a federal law that says you can. Yeah, I think there's, like, a note on Laspedia at some point that's just, like, all of these would not be in the same trial. Like, they... Absolutely not. They would be having at least a few separate, separate trials. It would be at least two. Like, do we know where, like, wherever the Grand Theft Auto occurred? Was that related to the murder uh yeah that was in iowa um and that is where tom died and where she broke into the hospital and stuff that was in iowa okay so that so that would be just like where she killed wayne yep so that would be in with the murder and the bank thing should have also happened in iowa because she was going to get that plane so that would have been tom's or who i don't i'm not sure i can't remember whose like bank vault or like whatever it's called that she was trying to get into but i feel like all of this happened in Iowa? Yeah, most of it. But yeah, even if the bank robbery occurred in Iowa, but it would be in the federal district court for whichever federal district of Iowa the bank was in. So they still wouldn't be in the same thing. As far as the assault on a federal officer, bro, she did that more than once. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like which time? Exactly. And each of them, unless there's some sort of agreement with the federal prosecutors, which they were probably cut, they should be heard in in different districts. But I'm sure there's a way. That's the kind of thing where I can see them getting consolidated into one trial for efficiency purposes. So that makes a lot more sense. And then the judge not only sends her into custody, he remands her into federal custody. Bro, Mm. you are a California judge. You can't do that. Again. (laughs) Yeah. Unless there's some weird arrangement that we don't know about. Which, again, since all of these things are being heard in one hearing, it's one of two things. It's there's some crazy way that they're being allowed to do this, which would take an act of frickin' Congress. Or it's a TV show. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I I looked up, and it doesn't say where the safe deposit box was, like that bank that she... I feel like they kind I feel like they say. Um, But I couldn't find it on the safe deposit box thing. And then... Um, it also says that this, these 
these flashes take place between November 2006 and August 2007, which is weird because where we are now is like the end of 2004 like on the island Mm -hmm. so yeah that would have been a really really long time before this um and also like Aaron is quite a lot older when we see him as well so it's clearly been a bit yeah and my only other complaint about this scene is they play the pronoun game at the end of the scent at the end of the scene right oh it uh, the bank was in New Mexico okay yeah so federal district court in New Mexico and then maybe Albuquerque hey (laughs) but um did people die in that no one died. She shot, so, like, I think Jason at least got shot. Like, the guy who she was there with. Because that was one of the other notes that was on the Lostpedia article that yeah. said, oh, the people who died should have been felony murder charges. Mm. And No, I don't think anyone died. Yeah, and even then, if it, if that's a felony murder charge, I have no idea how felony murder is, rela- is charged when yeah. related to a federal crime, if that is also a federal crime. There is a federal crime version of murder but again she would also be on the hook for so many more charges than what the five that he lists right yeah it would have been so it would have been so long that you are charged with the counts on the indictment Mm. so at the prison like duncan i guess has come to see her and she's brought in to see duncan and he says okay so the da is going to try the case herself so that means they're going to do the full court press so let's talk deals probably we can do 15 years and you turn and you serve seven so 15 obviously but she's like no i don't want to do any time and he goes okay well if we go to court you're going to be doing 20 years for like each count and then a life sentence on the murder and kate's like no and duncan's like oh okay dude well you confessed to your mother that you killed wayne who's like your father and she's the big witness so like what am i supposed to do i can't just tell you the facts and you can't just go no fix it like i can't do that so kate's like put me on the stand and he's like no i'm not gonna let the da cross-examine you absolutely not so what we're gonna do is we're gonna make it about your character so it's not gonna be about what you did but about who you are so we should bring him in she says no it would but he says it would bring sympathy she says do whatever but we are not using my son the da's decided to try this case herself which means they're going to do the full court press, and we need to start talking about cutting a deal. What kind of deal? Honestly, my best guess, I'd say she'll take a 15-year sentence, and you serve seven. No way. If you go to trial, Kate, you're looking at 20 years on each count, not to mention a life sentence on the murder charge. No. Kate, you confessed to your mother that you killed your father, and now she's their star witness. So you tell me, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to win this thing? Put me on the stand. Want to take a chance with the DA crossing you? No. Let us see. We've got one shot at this. What's that? We make it about character. Not about what you did or didn't do, but about who you are. What do you mean, who I am? I want him in the courtroom. Absolutely not. We need him, Kate. It'll generate tremendous sympathy. Duncan, listen to me. You are not bringing him in here. All right, you want to make this about me, about my character, fine. You are not using my son. Wow, so at this point, we all assume that this is Sawyer's son, and Kate is actually, like, straight up pregnant right now on the island, which would be weird because she got pregnant on the island, and people die when they get pregnant on the island, but I guess it's okay because she left early enough because it seems like that's sort of the plan of what's happening with son. Mm-hmm. But either way, it turns out that's not the case because it's Aaron and it's not her actual son. But, all right, Dave, thoughts on this scene? So, yeah, if it's a DA trying it, then, again, it's definitely a state court case. If it was a federal case, it would be the U.S. attorney who would be trying it. Or an 
assistant U.S. attorney as opposed to an ADA, a DA, a district attorney. Yeah, definitely talk a deal there. Like, you're gonna... Yeah. Like, this is a loser of a case. He's given her exactly the right advice there. Mm-hmm. That said, if the DA's trying it, maybe she doesn't want to give them a deal. Like, if they really, mm-hmm. really wanted to give a deal, there would have been a deal on the table by this point anyway. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't do criminal, but from everything I know about criminal. Yeah. And I have no idea about the length of the thing. In terms of whether she... A criminal defendant cannot be called to testify by the prosecution in a criminal case, period, mm. in the United States. But if you do, then you do get crossed, cross-examined by the other side, by the state. Uh-huh. And that's bad for Kate, because she'd have to lie so <laughs> right. much. And yeah. you can't... And this is going to sound weird. In most states, an attorney can't call their own client if they know their client is going to lie or the client has Uh expressed that they're an idea that they're going to lie. Usually, Uh if your client is insistent on doing that, you threaten to withdraw as their attorney. Mm -hmm. You can't tell the court why you want to withdraw, but it's called a noisy Mm -hmm. withdrawal. But in at least Massachusetts, there is a weird wrinkle in state law where an attorney is permitted to call their client, even if they know their client is going to lie. Mm -hmm. But you cannot question them with a question that you know will return a lie and you cannot Mm. argue to the court or to the jury something that you know is a lie which is going to just create a giant hole in the case because the thing that they might be lying about is probably going to be big it's going to be like oh it's like like you call i didn't kill him (laughs) like an alibi or something yeah like the only time you would have heard about the alibi was when the defendant was on the stand and then never he- you never heard it in opening, you never heard it in closing. And the only thing that defendant's counsel asked of the defendant was something like, please tell your story. Mm-hmm. So Kate definitely would have lied if he called her. Yeah. But clearly, I mean, we know that Jack is doing a bunch of perjury here, but Duncan probably wouldn't know that. Like, he would see that as the truth, right? So Duncan didn't do anything wrong there with Jack, right? Yeah, as, as long as, as far as he knows, that's the truth. Even then, you can be suspicious that it's not quite the truth, but that's not for you. Uh-huh. Like, you you are you are allowed to doubt your client. You are You absolutely are. As a defense attorney, your job is to make sure that the state meets its burden. Yeah. And so making it a character thing is a strategy. It's just crappy, and (laughs) some states don't allow it. It's a strategy. Yeah. Speaking of, so let's go into that scene. The court is in session. I love this scene. Uh, This scene and the scene with Kate's mom are the two most clear in my mind when I think about this episode. And I also think that Matt is really good in this scene, too. Yeah. So Duncan says, hey, Kate, um, please don't fire me. Uh, This was a last resort, and I'm really sorry. So the witness is Dr. Jack Shepard. Um, and of course, Duncan is sitting there like, hey, wasn't that my character's name? And wasn't I a murderer in 2000? <laughs> so Melissa is like, hey, uh, what the heck does this guy have to do with anything? Just wondering. So here's what it said on Lostpedia. Let me know what you think, Dave. Oh, oh I ha- uh, it says under California. Yeah, I, ha- I, I, yeah, I know what you're going to talk about. So it says under California ethics rules, Kate's lawyers 
Kate's lawyer may not call a witness against her wishes. Her objection in open court to calling Jack would be a prima facie evidence of an ethical violation and would lead to sanctions by the California State Bar Association. Prima facie. It, oh, um, yeah, that is way better. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a Latin phrase meaning on its face. Yeah. Um, and then it also said, it says character evidence like Jax's testimony oh, would generally yeah. only be allowed in to mitigate punishment after guilt had already been determined. Usually the only way it could be brought in before that would be if her character for peacefulness had already been attacked. But seeing as how this trial has been reversed, this cannot have happened. Yeah, there's a lot wrong with this scene. Uh-huh. And a lot wrong with this trial. There's usually no general rule for it. And I double checked court rules in California and Iowa. The party with the burden of proof. So usually that's... So in a criminal trial, that's the state. They usually go first in a trial. They put on evidence saying, hey, we're right. Because since they have the burden, if they don't prove they're right, they lose by default. Here, for some reason, defense is going first, which makes no sense. (laughs) Okay. Duncan's reason for calling Jack is that they got killed in the opening. Uh Uh-huh. What? (laughs) The opening is an argument. They have not put on any evidence. That's so funny. So it makes no freaking sense at all. In terms of character evidence, I know it changes from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Neither of those two things in Lostpedia have citations with them, by the way, because that would have been the first place I looked and I didn't see either. So the only general rule that I could find in California was that The prosecution can't attack character because character is not a... A character is not an element of the crime. Like, again, you can be a terrible person and still be the victim of a crime. Uh If the defendant opens opens that door by putting out evidence first, then the prosecution can respond. So I don't see that there's necessarily anything entirely wrong there. But again, I'm not a California criminal practitioner. As far as whether an attorney can call a witness that the defendant doesn't want to or their client doesn't want to, uh-huh. I pulled the California ethics rules that were in effect at the time, and I didn't see that in there. I might, okay. I might have missed it, but I, but I looked closer. But usually, in case you back me up on this, when a client hires a lawyer, mm-hmm. the big decisions in the case, whether to file a suit, whether to settle that suit, those are decisions that the client makes and only the client can make. Right. But procedural day-to-day stuff, what motions to file, what evidence to present, what witnesses to call, because witness testimony is evidence, is mm-hmm. the attorney's choice. Yeah, for sure. So since that note in Lostpedia is not cited, I can't prove it and I can't confirm it. Hmm. She could always file an ethics complaint, but I can't guarantee you that she'd win on it. Right. I also didn't look at the at the more recent ethics rules. I didn't look at ethics rulings. I didn't look at court cases. I just pulled the ethics rules themselves. So hmm. I think he's perfectly fine to have called Jack here as long as the evidence was appropriate. Uh, the objection is a renewed objection, meaning she objected before and the jury yeah. had heard it before. Mm-hmm. But that that doesn't really make sense. If there was a ruling like that, there probably would have been an evidence list uh, or a list of witnesses beforehand in pre-trial. Probably, she probably would have objected then and that stuff 
usually isn't in front of a jury. Mm-hmm. So this probably would be the first time that they had heard it. But at the same time, they may have already gotten like some early instruction, knowing the character evidence was coming. Uh-huh. But I can't guarantee you that either. But it's still bad practice. To call yeah. somebody that your client isn't ready to come onto the stand. I love that Duncan and Kate are clearly, like, pretty close and, like, kind of friends. Mm-hmm. He, he'll just do stuff and he'll be like, sorry, please don't. <laughs> he just ta- he talks to her like she's, like, a person instead of, like, a celebrity or, like, his client, kind of, which I think is kind of... You gotta talk to a client like they're a person. If a client doesn't uh-huh. feel like they're a person, then you can very easily feel detached from what's going on, and it's not going to feel yeah. real. It's different for me doing disability stuff, where I need the client to be all on board because my client's always going to testify. Mm-hmm. But that's a different story. Yeah, I just I think my favorite part is when uh, he's like telling her like, "Hey, we need to do this." Like last scene, and she's just like, "No," and he's just like, "Hey, are you dumb?" <laughs> yeah, pretty D- much. Uh, what am I supposed to do? Okay, I'm also just a person. I'm not a superhero who just figures out your law stuff for you. Yeah. Exactly. I, if a client is getting in your way of, of winning their case for them, you can explain to them, if you get in the way, if I cannot win this case, if you make it so hard, are giving me all of these limitations that aren't your place to put on me, mm-hmm. then I'm just going to withdraw my representation and good luck to you. Yeah. Here's yeah. the bill for the time I've already put in. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the judge reminds the jury that Jack didn't meet Kate until after her alleged crimes. Um, Jack does his thing where he swears to tell the truth, even though he knows he's about to lie, which is kind of crazy. Could you please tell the jury if they live under a rock, how you know Kate? He says Yes. <laughs> On September. But, like, also, aren't they trying to find jury members who are, like, not biased and, like, don't know stuff about stuff? But it's, like, not possible when it's, like, such a big story. Yeah, it's, like, trying to call a jury to try... Well, I don't like this because it's actually a thing now. But say there was a former president of the United States that was going to be going Mm. on trial somewhere. You're Uh never going to find someone who has never heard of a president of the United States. Right, right, okay. So you need to find people who just have no opinion. Gotcha, okay. So he says, yes, on September 22nd, 2004, we were on Oceanic Flight 815 and crashed. Did you know she was a fugitive? I did learn that eventually. Did the marshal tell you? And so this is like, you know, we all know all this information. So like, we assume Jack is going to be like, yes, the marshal told us this, even though we know from the Hurley and Jack scene in in 401, they did some lying, right? So he says, no, he died in the crash. I never spoke to him. Kate told me. So already we've perjured ourselves and we know that. Yeah. So did you ask if she was guilty? No. Why not? I assumed that she wasn't. He says only eight of us survived. Um, so eight, obviously, one of the numbers. But also, like, that's a huge, huge thing that we're now learning now that they had told the public. Um, because obviously, like, over 40 of them actually survived. He says, I was really hurt and I wouldn't have made it to the shore without her. Another thing, because we know that he landed inside the jungle, um, not in the water. He said she took care of all of us. She gave us all first aid, finding food, etc. Like, she tried to save the other two, but... And Kate stops him. The judge tells her to sit down and she says, this isn't even relevant, please. I do not want him to continue. This is my trial. Duncan says, that's okay. I don't have any more, any more questions. On Las it was pointed out at her initial hearing pleading innocent, Kate wears white. And at the trial, after she's like discredited and self-loathing, she's in black. <gasps> pointing out. Ooh. And then Melissa goes up. She has one question. Do you love her? And Duncan's like, excuse. But the judge is like, I want to hear. (laughs) I want to hear about it. You tell me. And Jack says, not anymore. And it's like, 
oof. And yo, if I was sitting in the audience, I'd be like, what? What? Like, I'd literally, I'd be like tweeting immediately. Oh my God, yeah. I'd be like, these two celebrities used to love each other. But okay, uh, Dave, I know you have thoughts on this. That's a perfectly valid question for her to ask. Because Uh it goes to bias. Yeah. If he is biased. He's got like rose colored glasses on how great she is because he likes her. Absolutely. So it's it's absolutely a perfectly valid question. Duncan does object. He should object. He doesn't state the grounds for his objection, which he normally would. And it's... It's usually super quick. It's usually something like objection relevance. Yeah. Or something like that. Like, And that was her objection to Jack was an, an objection based on relevance. Because, yeah, evidence yeah. has to be relevant. You can't just call people to the stand to ask entirely unrelated questions. Otherwise, I'd sue Casey and then call, like, Elon Musk to the stand and say, did you buy Twitter just because you're yeah. a sad little man who wants to it? <laughs> you can't do that. Objection relevance? Yeah. Twitter's always relevant, Your Honor. Yeah. (laughs) That would be so funny. But you had a whole thing about how he's like, you opened the door. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Once you, if there is something that the prosecution is forbidden from doing or asking, but the defense brings it up first, then the prosecution can do whatever they want with it within like the scope of. Depends on the jurisdiction, but usually you can either ask them anything in the world or you're limited by the scope of what the direct questioning covered. But even if this was a scope of direct jurisdiction where she can only ask things that are within the scope of things that he already asked, which is what my objection would be if I was in a scope of direct state, Her, the judge is still okay with it uh-huh. by saying you open the door because he brought up their relationship mm. and his perception of her. And so the question about do you love her is relevant even in scope of direct, because if he was in love with her, then he's seeing her through rose-colored glasses. But that's not the yeah. way he phrases the question. The prosecutor phrases the question, do you love her? Which is two different things. Right. <laughs> you've, you've preserved the issue for appeal at the very least. Because yeah. at least on appeal, you can argue the phrasing of the question was wrong. Do you love someone? Well, you can say, I love everyone because everyone is worthy of some kind of love just because they're human beings. But you're not in romantic love with yeah. everyone. But then his answer, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so Duncan made it so that Kate could have some time with her mom. And she's in a wheelchair. Last time we saw her chronologically, she was in the hospital. That was the hospital yelling for help. Um, So clearly she's like made some sort of recovery. Duncan's like, I got some privacy for you. And she's like, I don't want this. (laughs) But Duncan makes her talk to her because they need a miracle. And if they can get her to not testify, then that would be like a huge thing. And obviously it works. So Diane comes in. She says, is it true that you're a hero? Is it true that what that man said? Um, And she's like, "Eh, some of it. Some of it's true. So she's not answering and she's like, why won't you talk to me? She says, because last time I saw you, you screamed for help and called the police. I don't know. So Diane's like, I don't want to fight you. Then why are you here? She says, it all changed when I thought that I had lost you. I thought that you were dead. And the doctors have given me six months to live for the last four years. Four. She says, I don't know how long I actually have. So I want you to know that I don't want to testify you against you. She says, okay, don't. Diane asks if she can see her grandson. And... Kate's like, seriously, that's the deal that you want to make? And Diane says, I just want, basically, it's just like, I want to meet my grandson. He's my only grandson. You're my only daughter. This is the, before I die, I just want to meet him. And she's like, nope, we're done here. Why won't you talk to me? 
Because, Mom, the last time I tried to talk to you when you got sick, when I risked my life to see you, you screamed for help and called the police. Please. I don't want to fight with you, Catherine. Why are you here? Because. It all changed when I thought you were dead. My doctors have given me six months to live for the last four years. I don't know how long I'm going to last. I came here to tell you that I... I don't want to testify against you. see my grandson. You came here to make a deal? Just want to meet him. I don't want you anywhere near him. That feels really cold to me. <laughs> no matter what, you know? I don't know. What do you guys think? I would agree. I can just... I can never get the sound of Diane screaming for help, mm. like, out of my mind. So, yeah, I'm sure Kate also can't. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. And to hold that over your head, like, while you're possibly, like, going to jail for a very long time, I, mm. I don't know. I don't know. Motherhood is complicated. <sighs> yeah. It really is. Yeah, I'm like, I have so many thoughts at once just now. Um, But like, okay, so she's so mad at her mom that she's going to hold this over. I lost it. Okay, one of the things that I know that I wanted to say was that I wonder, and I can't tell off of Kate's face, but I wonder if part of the reason why she's keeping Aaron away from Diane is because Diane might be able to tell that it's clearly not her son. Like, I wonder if Diane oh. of all people would be the one person who'd be able to tell that that's not actually her baby. Baby. Interesting. That's not necessarily true. My my yeah. my sister's daughter looks nothing like her in everything like the yeah. dad. <laughs> I just wonder if that's what Kate is scared of. Like that's part of what she's scared it of. It could be. I mean, Aaron is a yeah. very, 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 very blonde child. Yes. Yeah. And I guess they don't know who the dad is, or Kate's never said who the dad is, I guess, either. And Diane's blonde, so it's not out of the realm of possibility yeah. that oh, that's true. Kate would have a blonde kid. That's true. That's true. The other thing that I re finally remember what I was saying was that I just like can't imagine like holding that punishment over her head when like clearly she's gone through so much hardship in her life. You know, I just, I can't look at sick people and not want to give them anything that will make them feel better. You know what I mean? That is, that's very fair. That's a very fair point. It's like, it, and like, she's obviously, she like uprooted Kate's entire life and her whole, all of her running has sort of been because of her mom. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't have it's, a rough relationship with my mom. So I guess yeah. I, I have a hard time understanding and seeing where she's coming from there. That's all. Yeah. I think I very much can see and understand both sides. Yeah. 
and it would take actually being one of those two people to like fully understand. Yeah, I guess it's just like, I just feel so bad for Diane because all she did, like she didn't even like do anything physically either. She just sort of like told the police about something. And like, even I would have a hard time with that. If somebody that I loved did something like that, I would be like, I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Like Diane doesn't want to go on that stand if, if like, I don't know, they have like a whole arson charge or like thing about Wayne dying in her house and she has to go and like perjure herself on the stand. Like I wouldn't want to do that either. So like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, and, and I just can't stop imagining like Diane, she has literally nobody left. Like Wayne died, Kate's off yonder, her, she won't let her see her grandson. Like who does she sit with while she's like sadly wasting away with thinking that she's supposed to die for the past four years just by herself? Right. Yeah. It's just like, ugh, it makes me really sad just thinking about Diane, you know? She's been through so much. She was abused by her husband, like. Yeah. And she has no one. Just makes me sad, that's all. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I don't know if there's any lawyer, (laughs) lawyer points to make about this one. There's lawyer points in the next scene, but. Okay, great. Like, as, but. Still, as a parent, God, yeah, you hide the bodies for your kids. <laughs> like, I don't know how you deal with it. Like, I don't know what Diane's relationship took. What was his name? Roy? Wayne? Wayne. God, it's even worse. <laughs> no offense, Waynes. Yeah, sorry to the Waynes. Uh, but, like, I don't know what Diane and Wayne's relationship is. I don't think we get any kind of indication about what's going on. We just know that he... About how she felt. We know that right. Kate says it was abusive. I actually just recently re-watched what Kate did. Um, with my parents and after Kate kills Wayne she comes to see Diane in the diner Diane has a like I don't know if it's broken or if it's sprained but she has a cast on her wrist and Kate like basically says that it was Wayne who like pushed her into something or like hurt her and Diane says I made my bed I have to lie in it now so like Diane basically concedes that it was Wayne who did it yeah okay then yeah never mind (laughs) so Wayne sucks we all agree Oh yeah, Wayne. Wayne do be sucking. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that cha- yeah that changes the thing. Yeah. She. I don't know. I honestly can't conceive. It's so hard from both directions. I, I honestly can't conceive of, of testifying against my own child, even if she killed my wife. But my wife isn't abusing me. Right. 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 So yeah. very different situation. At the same time, I'm I, I I'm Italian. I come from a culture where family is <laughs> and if, is everything, and it's not a joke to say you hide body. You would hide bodies for your mm-hmm. kids. Yeah, I guess I'm also sort of thinking about how Kate totally had it all figured out. Like she literally was like, I took an insurance policy out, which I guess maybe could have been a little bit suspicious. But also she says like, it's it's going to look like a gas leak. It's going to do this, right? So like all Diane had to do was say, was not say anything, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not like who killed him? And she's like, I don't know. You know, it's like she went sort of went out of her way to implicate Kate, I guess. It's just really complicated, I think. Yeah, we need to know more about Diane Mm -hmm. to really judge this scene and her actions in it. Yeah. So, eh, 
I don't know. I got nothing yeah. else there, though. So we're back in court. Um, Melissa is talking to her assistant and the judge is ready to go. And Melissa says, uh, well, our big witness can no longer testify because of medical reasons. So this is interesting because it seems like she withdrew without even getting to see her grandson. Or like, does she get to? Like, we never see them together. So it's like sort of implied that Kate said, no, you can't see him. And she withdrew anyway. Yeah. yeah that's what. As far as I can tell. That's what it seemed like to me. And yeah, good for her. Like, don't yeah. testify against your kid. I guess she just wanted to give it that one big push and see if maybe she could see her grandson. Like, I wonder if she never was actually going to testify and she like signed up to do it so that she could be in that room to talk to Kate. That's my new headcanon. Hmm. That is entirely reasonable. Yeah. So judge asks, how long do you need? She goes, I have no way of knowing right now. And they're like, okay, we'll recess for lunch, but we're going to be proceeding afterwards. And then Melissa wants to talk to Duncan about making a deal. Yeah, that's, and that's the way it should be. Like, she should be approaching with the deal. Yeah, yeah. In in my mind. But at the same time, Melissa has literally nothing else. Like, yeah. because it, she's only testifying about one of those five charges. Right, 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 right. Like, you have nothing on, you have nothing from the dozen people that were in that bank. You're right. I guess not. That one guy who, like, tried to get her to, like, pick up the gun. And, like, the bank, like, teller got, no, like, the bank manager guy who was in the room. Yeah, yeah. right? What, what about him? Where is he? Yeah, it, all of that, like, this is the worst, this is the worst scene of the episode for him. For mm. that, for that reason, like mm-hmm. nothing in this makes sense. And gotcha. now, to the extent that they're trying to make us think that Duncan kind of made or coerced Diane into making herself unavailable, that uh-huh. like that would be an ethics violation under the rules at that time. But gotcha. we don't know anything. We don't know what he knew at that time. We didn't know what was going on. Like all he says is, "I arranged for you two to have some time." There's a million different ways that, yeah. that could have happened. Right. And like, it's her mom. So like, exactly. So he says, okay, so what's the deal here? Or I think it's Melissa who's like, what the heck? My witness spoke to her yesterday and now she won't testify. So did, so they lied to the judge about the medical problems thing? Question mark. I guess. Or that's the excuse that Diane. Or that's the reason that Diane gave. Yeah. If I was Diane, I would give it, I would give that excuse because it's, because it's possible. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's enough to make it look fishy to Melissa, but it's not enough for Melissa to go on to get Duncan fried for it. Gotcha. Um, it's that on Lastpedia. Kate would also be charged with felony murder for the deaths during the bank robbery. Wait, did people die? I did not think that people died during the bank robbery. Okay. Yeah, that's why I brought that up. Yeah. Even if she did not directly cause... Right. Even if she did not directly cause their deaths, her mother's refusal to testify would not affect the prosecution's ability to convict on the robbery-related charges. I did not think that anybody died during the bank robbery i really did not yeah i without going back i I didn't go back to watch it but yeah like there's a million she's charged with five crimes the only one that you're a hundred percent hanging on diane for is wayne's murder is wayne yeah unless the evidence on the rest of it is really just that kind of screwy yeah that like there's good enough stuff from the bank robbery where the people that are still available to testify only saw Kate playing a victim mm-hmm. or um, she wasn't even really in a good disguise. Like, was she blonde? I don't even remember. No, she wasn't. She just had her hair up. Yeah, she didn't. Yeah, it wasn't even a good disguise. She had a different name as well, but. Yeah, but assault on a federal officer is completely unrelated to any of these. Yeah, and I'm looking at the whatever the case may be page and it doesn't say anybody died. Yeah, it, no. 
It's dumb. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, anyway, moving on. So Duncan's like, okay, uh, shut up. What's the offer? And she says, four years in. So four years. But he says, no, no jail. She's a worldwide hero who saved five people's lives. So she nearly starved on an island and now she's on trial for rescuing her mother from an abusive husband. And if you think that the jury is going to do that, you must have a great closer, Melissa. I love Duncan. I love, I like, when he calls her Melissa, I'm just like, you guys hang out? Like, I see it. What's ha- what happened here? I see it. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Like, that bar was prop when i say that bar i mean the criminal defense bar uh-huh. all the criminal defense attorneys when you've got a bunch of people that practice in the same field of law it's called a bar uh, uh-huh. a lot of those people a lot of criminal defense people start in prosecution so i wouldn't be surprised that he had worked with her or he had worked for her or they had worked together or run against each other for da if it's a if it's an elective position. Where's the stories? Where's the fan fiction? There are a thousand pages of fanfic to be written there. But, yes! But they also exist in all of the other lawyer fandoms, so you're good. Uh-huh. So fair, so fair. So she says, okay, time served, but 10 years probation if she doesn't leave the state. Duncan wants to fight it, like fight for less, but Kate says she'll take it. And she just wants it to be over. She has a kid. She's not going anywhere. And that moment sort of reminds me of Jack talking to Chrissy at the check-in counter in 105. You know, when he talks about how he really just needs it to be done, like the funeral and everything. Yeah, those those moments just kind of like fit together for me. Yeah. Why, why am I confusing Chrissy with um, the stewardess? That's Cindy. Cindy, thank you. Mm-hmm, that's it. So Kate leaves through the infamous back door that we talked about from the first scene. <laughs> and uh, Jack was waiting for her. She says, how did you know I was here? He said, your lawyer told me because we're friends now. Oh, yeah. If she pleads and cuts a deal, she's not walking out the back door. You got to yeah. admit what you're pleading to in open court. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're assuming that she had done that and then came out. Yeah. Like, would, it, would that be a thing that could have happened in that one day after the recess after lunch or no? Yeah. Like if they're not going to hold her for sentencing. Yeah. And the judge is all set with signing off on 10 months of probation for all of those things. It's 10 years. 10 years of probation for yes. all of those things. Because, yeah. again, because still, it's not a lot. Yeah, for all the things that she did? Yeah, that's fair. So he said, your lawyer told me where you were going to be because he owed me a favor because I came and did that thing. So she says, hey, thanks for saying that. And, you know, you've said that story so many times, it feels like you almost believe it. And Jack's like, I just wanted to come in here and say that I didn't mean it, aka, like, I do love you. Like, I perjured so much. <laughs> I preach about things that don't even matter. I like that line because it also kind of clears Duncan. Like if he Ah uh, yeah. Like he sounds like he believes it and so Duncan yeah. would have no reason to believe that he is lying. We love Duncan. Duncan stands anonymous on this uh on this podcast. I won't be anonymous. <laughs> You're like, "No, I am loudly shouting my love of Duncan." My name is Casey Wall and I love Duncan. <laughs> Duncan Forrester, shout out. Watch Discovery season 4. He's really good. I love that. So Kate asks Jack if he wants to come over and have a visit and he's like, oh, uh, I gotta go to the hospital, but we should grab coffee though. And she's like, I know why you don't want to see the baby, but until you want to see him, we can't be a thing. And I'm like, so why doesn't he want to see the baby? Because he's his half nephew, because it reminds him of Claire and what they did. Like, I'm not really sure what the baby has to do with like him not wanting to go and be there. But she basically says we're a package deal and they're like, okay, bye. Half nephew, half you. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so Kate gets home and you're like, damn, real nice house. How's that oceanic money treating you? Clearly well. And um, Nanny says that Aaron missed her, missed her a lot 
and I'm like, she's been in custody how, like, how long? Like, how long has this nanny been here? Like, damn. The very first couple of lines definitely played like it was more familiar than just that. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, oh, have you been keeping away from the TV? Yes, and he's sleeping now. So she's like, okay, I'm gonna go and wake him up from his nap, which is a bad idea, but she does it anyway. So she goes to see this little blonde boy, and of course the audience is like, must be Sawyer's, because he's so blonde, and he calls her mommy, but then she calls him Aaron! Oh my god. And then there's a music sting, like the, the music changes, like just for like a second, and I get chills and she took the boy it's such a reveal yeah so this is the first time that Aaron be- appears off island it said on, on Lostpedia oh thanks I hate it <laughs> oh just again wasn't a father the first time I saw this now mm. <laughs> Ooh. yeah and you're like that's my baby and reveal of the next oceanic six member six member if they even count Aaron as one of the oceanic six members you know because he was like inside of a belly on oceanic right hmm true do they know that I don't know wait do they know what do like the people know Mm. people of the world know that Aaron was inside of someone else's belly yeah we don't know that we don't know that yet but we don't know we don't know whose belly it was oh yeah oh you mean like she could have like adopted him afterward well no she just showed up Mm -hmm. like Kate, uh, Diana sounds pretty certain that he is her blood. Yeah, her grandson, yeah. So we don't know at this point if the world thinks that is actually Kate's child. We just know that Diane thinks so. Correct. Gotcha. The other thing is, first of all, I love when episodes end in a twist. I love it. And um, this really puts into a new perspective the title of 110, which is Raised by Another. And I, you know, and I hope. And it turns out that he is being raised by another. Sure looks like it. Weirdly enough, it was Kate. So that, anything else about the uh, uh, flashes before we get into segments, you guys? I Um, Kate looks really good. Yeah. That's it. I think I'm good. She always looks like such a movie star. And like the nanny, she looks like just straight up a normal person, you know? And that is not me. That is not an insult. She straight up just looks like a normal person. That's good casting, right? She's just a normal lady. And Kate walks in and talks to her and she looks like a movie star. Literally. Well, it is LA. Yeah, that's true. Like there's only so much unmovie starring you can do. Yeah. To Evie. Yeah, true. That's true. She just looks like that, unfortunately. (laughs) So now it's time for our segments. Our first segment is our favorite line award. Uh, My favorite line award goes to Ben and Miles for... You've arranged this meeting so you could blackmail me? It's extortion if you want to get technical. (laughs) Yeah, he thought about this. (laughs) It's so funny. And my favorite line award goes to Ben and Locke for... So here we are, just like old times. Except I'm locked in a different room. And you're more lost than you ever were. It's good. So good. Such cheese. It is a cheesy line, but it, it is, is sold so well. Yeah. Oh, Michael Emerson does such a good job. Every line he's given, he really chews it up. Huge fan. And my favorite line award goes to... Your Honor, I'd like to renew my objection to this witness on the basis of relevance. And I'm going to renew my overruling of your objection. From the judge? From the judge. <laughs> Heck yeah, Arthur Gazathrone. What a name. It is, like, 
the judge is perfectly cast. The judge has the perfect right kind of energy mm-hmm. for a judge that age. He's got the right temperament. He's got the right amount of sarcasm that you kind of need when uh-huh. you're dealing with egos. Because he, he knows he has two egos in front of him at council table. So mm-hmm. he's dealing with it there. To the point where I also have an honorable mention from Judge Gazathrone. Heck yeah. Do you love the defendant? Objection. You open this door, Mr. Forrester. I'm going to allow it. It is good law. It is well done. It is a good, solid, proper ruling. Those couple of lines, generally some of the best TV law I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Outside of, like, the Netflix version of Daredevil, which really blew me away and had something really good in it. But that's outside of the scope. And Gassathrone, he just loves the drama. He just wants to hear, you know? Oh yeah, no. A- a- after a <laughs> after a career of just being some random criminal court judge, he's he he's got this, and he's yeah. like, "Well, Lancedo got nothing on this." Mm-hmm. He's just like, "I'm gonna be in the news." For those of you who remember Judge Lancedo, who was the judge in OJ's trial. Oof. Ooh. Uh, and now it's time for Man of Science, Man of Faith. Uh, today we're talking about Kate. Do you guys see Kate as more of a man of science or more of a man of faith? Man of faith. Tell me more. She thinks she's being scientific or not scientific, but she thinks she's being like practical and like analytical. No, she's going on faith all the time. Mm. And I stand by that. All right. I am with you on that. And it drives me up a wall. Like there is nothing quite as difficult as when you've got a client who is perfectly convinced that not only are they doing the right thing, but the universe is on their side, things are good, yada, yada, yada. And no, it's not. Don't tell me what I can't do because you don't want your kid. You have a loser of a case and it's my job to win it for you. This is the evidence I'm putting on. Are you going to fire me? Yeah. Right, she had put so much faith in him, and he's like, I'm just a guy who's trying his best. Exactly, and and that's what it is. Law, as much as you can say that it's that law is a science, law, is also, law also operates on faith, especially uh-huh. when you're dealing with a jury. Oh, law is yeah. emotion. Oh, yeah. It's trying to take that stuff, put it to the side, and make the decision that you need to to win the case. Here, he does not have the facts on his side. He does not have his law, the law on his side. So the old lawyer adage is, if you don't have the law on your side, the facts on your side or law on the side, you bang on the table. And he is banged on the table as hard as he can. Yay, Duncan! Uh, now it's time for Hurley's Walkman. Hurley plays Xanadu by Olivia Newton-John and the Electric Light Orchestra. Um, it is the title song from the musical Xanadu. Um, and he plays it on the VCR uh, with Sawyer. And Kate also plays She's Got You by Patsy Cline. Oh, it's so good. And the cool thing about Patsy Cline, which I've brought up before, is just that she was killed in a plane crash. So it's really cool that Kate uses Patsy Cline so much. Sawyer's Book Corner, uh, the novel that Locke gives to Ben is Valis by Philip K. Dick. The title is an acronym for Vast Active Living Intelligence System, which is the author's Gnostic vision of one aspect of God. Uh, His novels often feature protagonists immersed in dissolving or fluctuating realities, and uh, notably throughout his life, he claimed to see ghosts of his twin sister who died five weeks after birth. Mm. And 
a sort of a reference to the bad twin, which is a like a whole thing from like lost lore. Basically, this guy named Gary Troop, who was one of the survivors. Well, actually, he wasn't one of the survivors, sort of. He survived the plane crash, but then he's the one who got sucked into the engine in the pilot. <laughs> he was the one who was writing a manuscript called The Bad Twin that um, that Sawyer was found reading at one point. Wow. So yeah, that's a, that's a whole thing. Deep cut. And then also the invention of Morel. Sawyer is, this is the book that Sawyer is reading um, by Adolfo Bioy Caceres. Um, the story is about a fugitive who hides on a deserted island somewhere in the South Pacific. Later, he encounters some people that appear and disappear randomly, repeating some actions. These people don't really exist. They are merely very lifelike recordings reproduced by a machine. The people are actually dead. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Eyeball emoji. Uh, I just think it's so funny that Sawyer is always reading these, like, extremely relevant books. Like, he's just like, hey, are there any, like, books on this island that aren't about islands? <laughs> <laughs> would love to read a book that's not about islands. That would be, that would be great. Did they do the thing? The thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode, um, the first line in this whole episode is about eggs. But other than that, no. So we're going to say they did not do mm, the thing bummer. Um, this episode. They did the thing for the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. That's true. They said that's lost. true. Um, how likable is Jack this episode? Brand new segment. Um, Jack was only in a few in a few scenes. So I guess I like that about him. What about you guys? Out of 10, how likable was Jack this episode? Yes. Um, Island storyline, Jack. I'm going to give him a solid four Mm -hmm. uh okay because he didn't do anything that made me like him a lot and Uh i don't like the way he talked to charlotte Uh um yeah okay what about you dave Eh, he's fine he's solid middle five and a half out of ten like okay i didn't have any problems with him on the island yes he lied for kate good for yeah but again we bring ourselves to this show and I'm a lawyer. Don't lie to me and then <laughs> lie on the stand and make me do things that I don't know are unethical because you're being a dick. I'm going to go ahead and give Jack a six. I liked the part where he asked them to put it on speakerphone. And I ultimately really love that scene with him in the courtroom, whether and what he's doing or not. I just think that Matt does a really good job being like a professional doctor man on that state on that stand. Um, So, yeah. Six for Jack for me. This is a uh, segment that we brought up, I think, in either 401 or 402 and then forgot about and didn't do. But asexual Faraday? Question mark, question mark, question mark? Yeah, nothing disproves asexual Faraday right now. He's just vibing. Was in like two scenes. So that's my guy. How many episodes since the last knockout? It has been five episodes since the last knockout. I think that they're like changing it up because this is literally our record. That is so insane. Our previous record was four. So, like, this is the record of how many episodes they've gone since somebody got knocked out. That's wild. The Google Doc not only says wow, it says wow in all caps. It's true. Does this episode pass the Bechtel test? As discussed before, we're going to say yes, but it's on a cusp. Yes, asterisk, like uh, like Dave said. Yes. Um, I don't so. think it, it meets the technical requirements, mm-hmm. but on the whole, on the vibe... the goal between that conversation between Kate and Claire was definitely like female friendship and motherhood and 
yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and as we always like to say, there are many other tests that are arguably like more important and more inclusive, but this is the one that we have a segment for. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. And thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. And thank you so much to whoever cooperated in the same space as us during this podcast. For me, it was my dog. He barked a couple times, but he was still pretty good. For me, it was also my dog. He has oh, literally good. been in the same position on my bed for going on for six hours now. Oh, buddy. He does He does not like to move. And, you know, he's 15, so you gotta respect it. Dog yeah. out of my heart. I mean, I will say he has switched sides. Like he's flopped over from the oh, left okay. side to the right side. It's good to hear that he's up and he's up and moving. Yeah, you know. Thank you to my wife and daughter. My wife even walked in here at one point, gave me the monitor because my daughter went down for a nap and left and y'all didn't hear it. Nope, wow. didn't notice. If you are so inclined, please write us a review wherever you're listening or recommend us to a friend. That'd be great. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. We did seasons four to seven as they were airing and now we've been going back to do the good old days. So season three is done and we are in the midst of season two at this point. We have also done Riverdale. We did seasons one to six as they were airing. No spoilers because we did it as it was airing. Um, and by the time this comes out, we will be in the midst of season seven, which is the final season. So uh, catch up. It's almost Thank done. <laughs> it's almost over. Thank God. I honestly, when it's over, I will have lost a part myself but you will have gained something so much greater it's true freedom um and lastly we uh have stranger things so we did seasons one to three and uh we have reactions of the first two volumes that we put out right right after season four came out and then we are also covering season four um this year they talked about star trek season uh star trek picard season one as it came out that's how i found them it's true uh it's It's still a great season of television and one of the best novels i've ever watched on tv they didn't do season two because season two is certainly a season of television it 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 existed i will give it that amazing it aired (laughs) you can follow at the aficionados on twitter facebook tumblr and instagram uh mostly twitter but robin does make gifts of our favorite land wards on tumblr y'all i just gotta say go back and look at my favorite line award gift from last episode robin just showed it to me i was proud of it it's oh chef's kiss yeah um, as I said earlier, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. Um, if you like what we do here, please consider donating because it is expensive to run these. Uh, it's not free um, and it's also expensive with my time. Um, and so I really appreciate your help over there. Like I said, you can join with just a dollar a month gets you early access. And then after that, check out our small businesses. That's another way that you can support us and also get something cool um, or just recommend us to a friend. That'd be great. And it's free. Thank you. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's our R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at C-A-S-E-Y-W-A-T-C-H-E-S-T-V. Casey watches TV, okay? I get confused. You can find me. And Dave, thanks for joining us! Yay! It was wonderful to be here. You can find me on Twitter at 1701 Trekkie, 1701Trekkie. I don't exist as a human being outside of that space. Yep, so That's good. Um, Our next episode is a extremely... What's the word? Uh, Uh, Like, high, high... Highly awaited, highly anticipated, anticipated anticipated is the word. Episode 405. Next episode, we will be talking about 
The Constant. Ooh, such a good episode. Wow. I can't believe we finally got here. Um, and our guest for that episode is going to be Sam. Yay! This was one of the first episodes of this entire podcast that was called. And we are thrilled to have Sam on for that. So looking forward to it. Wow. Oh, that's very exciting. I can't believe it. Yeah. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Sorry, right, let's see if I have anything for the beach storyline. Oh, go ahead, Dave. Spoiler section, spoiler section, uh, story for everybody. Uh, yes. have you ever heard, have you heard of Tiny Chef? Yes. Tiny Chef. Is that the person what who makes it? tiny things? No, Tiny Chef is, was on Twitter, now has his own Tiny Chef show on Nickelodeon. Um, but among other things, he has a kind of adorable little lisp, but his thing, one of the things that he says is, okay, love you, bye. Oh, whoa. And Katie at bedtime has taken to saying, "Okay, love you, sweet dreams, bye." Oh, ah, that's so sweet. That is cute. I also have a spoiler thought for uh, Constant, but oh, go ahead. So the Constant—they're getting unstuck in time, like they use that phrase a couple of times. Uh huh. Unstuck in time is a thing that they discuss in an episode of Babylon Five. Uh huh. Like it's a whole concept. It's the same general concept instead of just moving around in time. Mentally, like, um... Like in the constant? Like in the constant. You're moving yeah. around physically in time. Oh. Generally the same, but generally the same concept. And so my first thought, I went wanted to look up, and that episode had aired in the U.S. by the time the constant takes place. The framing, oh. the framing story in the constant. Oh, I'm sorry, the past uh-huh. story in the constant, the Flash. Uh-huh. So it is entirely possible that Faraday had, like, in the 90s, gotten a bootleg copy of that episode <laughs> or had already discussed it online because it had a huge online presence. I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, it, it is entirely... Faraday's a huge nerd. It is an entirely cromulent idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't have any uh, spoiler thoughts for the beach storyline other than, like, it's just sort of set up for next episode. As for the oh, Egg got... Town storyline... Oh, go ahead. I've got an island one. Uh, the, the idea that the island's talking a lock... Like, uh-huh. is, like, doesn't that have something to do with why Locke kills himself at the end? Kind of reuniting uh, people to go back be- for the good of the island? And then they won't go and he can't do it. Yeah, uh, that sounds familiar. Like, it, it feels like really, it feels like a foreshadowing idea, but, like, do they know that Locke is the one in the box yet? When Did they know that by the time they were writing uh... this? Uh maybe they might have. I'm not sure if they had decided that or not yet. Yeah, I don't know. So Miles asks for $3.2 million, and I'm pretty sure that it's because he was offered $1.6 million by Naomi and by Widmore, so this is exactly two times what he's getting with Widmore. Uh, um, Yeah, so that's 16, obviously, like you said, Dave. Like, I get it, but, like, why not just, like, $4 million? Up it Five. to four, yeah. 1600000 Right. Also, I have no idea how he thinks that Ben is supposed to be able to get that money. I really don't, but... I don't, I don't know. know. I just... But that's all I had. That's the only other thing. I just love that Miles and, like, the whole freighter crew knows everything 
about Ben. Uh huh. It's just juicy, right? Because Widmore knows so much about him. Mm-hmm. Mo- most of my uh, spoiler thoughts are in the flashbacks. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about the island? I think I'm Casey. No. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. So as for the flashes, I have Jack and the Jack scene. It said on Lostpedia in Jack's testimony, he states that Flight 815 crashed on an island, which is the truth. Um. When the cover story is that the plane crashed in open water and the survivors floated to an island, but no one in the scene questioned this statement. Sure. Um, probably because the jurors don't have any opinion about it and they don't <laughs> care, I guess. I don't know. So, Melissa says that her thing is time served with 10 years probation if she doesn't leave the state and Kate says, yes, no problem. How in the hell does she get on a plane to Guam? I can't remember. I do not know. Does she just, like, I... I just don't know. Because unless they've got on probation, you're not going to have like a an ankle monitor or something. Uh-huh. And unless there's, yeah, this is after 9-11. So unless there's something, un- unless it's run by a database. Like would her passport not be either consequential uh, con- confiscated or like, you know, she'd be put on some sort of list that she's not allowed to go on a plane. Like, I, d- I just don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, no, I got no, I-, I got no idea. There's any, no clue. There's any number of reasons, but the incompetence of the system is not to be underestimated. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing that I had was just that, you know, Jack is like weird about seeing Aaron and everything. And I checked the timeline and this is before Jack and Kate like live together and he reads Aaron's stories and he like prepares poses to Kate and stuff. I guess I sort of thought that it could have already happened and something like happened to make it weird after that. But as far as I can tell, he just straight up gets over it. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Like, I thought that maybe, like, he was just weird about it because, like, he had proposed and they were in love and he was living with Aaron and then, like, I don't know, something happened and now they're not. Right. Because because doesn't he have a whole thing about how, like, they're living together? I think this happens in Something Nice Back Home where so they're living together but then Kate, like, is off doing stuff for Sawyer and then she comes back and they have a fight about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I sort of thought that maybe that was the reason but this happens before that. Interesting. So, yeah. And I guess, like, you know, if they were living together and proposing and stuff, then they would be like, Jack, are you in love with the defendant? <laughs> then it would probably like, you know, they'd be like, well, they are engaged. So yeah, probably. So <laughs> just a bit. I feel like if I was a juror in that like thing and I like let her off or I guess, I guess it's not up to the jury anymore because she took a deal. But, um, and then he was like, no, I don't love her anymore. And then like I saw on the news that they were engaged. I'd be like, huh. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. But that's all I got. Everything else is sort of like classic lost stuff. Like obviously, you know, Aaron, you know, the way that Kate ends up being able to take Aaron and, you know, these are just plot points rather than like things to discuss. I feel Right. Like. Yeah. yeah. I uh, don't really have anything other than I will just forever be upset with how, with what they do to Claire's Claire. Yeah. And like her whole yeah, for sure. story in the back half. It's so That's like, I messy. feel like part of the reason why I like don't care for season six as much is like, you know, Claire is sort of like, I mean, I guess like finally Claire does something that isn't just like blonde lady on who has a baby on a, you know, I feel like she is very stagnant. And I think that's fair is that she's just sort of like always doing the same thing. But like they went too far with it. And it's also Saeed. Saeed gets screwed yep. over in, in season six too. So it's just like, yeah, I, I love the Flash Sideways, but like um, the island storyline in season six is like not it. And I'm excited to get there and talk about it, yeah. honestly. But yeah. As long as we get past season four again. Yeah. This island story, like the mystery box was just like too much for me by this point. And 
Again, binging it the way I did, I probably did it even faster than you did. Yeah, probably. Who knows? Well, Dave, once again, thanks for joining us. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. I am going to go uh, into my living room and smell something that Casey made. <gasps> Ooh! I bet it's a Love candle. That. If it's not, then I don't know what it could be. <laughs> I hope it's a candle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, great. So you guys can see where you guys can follow us, uh, in the description, um, at the aficionados all over the place, patreon.com slash the aficionados. Uh, and we really appreciate you. Thanks guys so much for listening. And we're looking forward to talking about the constant next episode. It's true. Um, yay. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay. Love you. Sweet dreams. Bye. Aww. <laughs> It's an emergency.